You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm your co-host, Christopher Mukigana-Harrington, joined by my easternly direction, uh, by Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston III. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm great. We have, we have a new intro on the show. Did everybody just hear that? What was that? Easternly, I'm I'm your uh, south by southeast, right? I think that's where we figured it out to be. Yes. So we we haven't fully taken into account the full uh, curvature of the Earth yet. We got some angry fan mail some from from some flat earthers. So did we? Causing some issues. Yeah. Yeah. We must have a lot of wrestlers who listen to this then. <laughs> yeah, the Kendricks and the Ellens of the world. Very upset. Uh, how's your week been, Brandon? I see that in a couple weeks you're going to be challenging Mr. Colin Delaney for the uh, rights of the co-host well, of uh, WrestleMics Radio. You stipulated that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to uh, Albion April 28th, and I'm going to wrestle Colin. I've wrestled a few times over the years, but yeah. For which fed? ESW? That's ESW, yeah, going to a new town. Yeah. That's like, okay. so Albion is like, about in between Buffalo and Rochester, so that will be uh, that'll be a fun neutral ground for both of you to be coming in that direction. Uh, you're, you're a big user. I, I discovered this on Instagram that you had oh. posted that this match was happening, yes. and then uh, I don't know if you follow Colin Delaney's brother on Instagram. Uh, I think I do. A guy named Freddie Midnight uh, yeah. back on the indie scene, um, but he posted an incredible video of him uh, where <laughs> it's, he's he's bartending. And have you seen this video? I don't think so. He's bartending, and this shirtless guy comes into the bar, and he grabs the guy who's sitting at, uh, like, one of the bar stools and throws him down. And at that moment, uh, Freddie Midnight jumps on top of the bar, and as he just, he he says in the comments, superflies him, gives a flying splash on the 
the guy and like takes him out almost like with a running bulldog. Like as a shoot? A splash? Yes, it was a shoot. The dude apparently had been thrown out like 20 minutes earlier, took off his shirt, came, came back, back in, oh my God. attacked a patron, and then Freddie Midnight just in the moment jumps on the bar and then just literally leaps at the guy and like does a flying tackle. And it, like it's a crack spotty, or was he already she, down and he splashed? No, the guy was standing. He just kind of oh. like, like, just like from the bar, like just basically almost like a Luthez press, like, oh, <laughs> like wow. a shoot Thez press. It's amazing. It's on his uh, Instagram, and it's just like called like another night at work. <laughs> what's, what's Freddie Midnight's uh, Instagram username? Oh goodness, so uh, give him a shout out here. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to retweet this it's, now that it's, it's Freddie Midnight. Yeah, it is. Okay, we'll that's what okay. it was kind of stuck in my head that it might be. Um, are you he's finding the video? He's got a video of him. Like, how yes. did somebody capture this on video? It's like surveillance video. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. It's yeah. Oh, wow, thing. It is. It's a security camera. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy throws him off the stool. You see uh, Freddy jump up there and just grab the guy and jump down. Did you, did you watch it yet? Yeah, there's music. Wow, okay. Oh, there's music. I, I watched it without music, but oh, yeah. Nice. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There's, there's, so that's, like, there's like old ragtime piano music. Yeah. Oh, see, see, that is the fire that's going on in the Delaney family. So you're going to have to fight with that when you take on Colin in a few weeks here. So good thing you don't frequent bars. Otherwise, you'd be in danger all around. Yeah. So um, I had a good week. You know, Freddie Midnight teamed with Goldust once against me. I did not know he teamed with Goldust. That's amazing. Yeah. You can search for, search for that on YouTube somewhere, I think. But anyway. I, would enjoy, I would enjoy that match. I, I should check that out. It's a six-man tag, but we're on opposite sides, and he's with Goldust, yeah. Excellent. Um, I had a good week. Uh, I won. I'm I'm officially now the greatest member of an unformed improv team in the state oh, that's right. of Minnesota. Uh, I, I run Troika of uh, 2018 here. My team, the STPs, had a uh, decisive win, surprise win, too. Uh, every week I was positive I was going to lose. You're an improv uh, champion now. Did you get a belt? Uh, we got a, uh, a trophy, uh, which I posted, and then we get a two-month run. And uh, we'll we'll have a plaque with our name engraved on it. So I think uh, there's many invitational cups around the uh, United States that people go and wrestle in wrestling tournaments that have less prizes than this improv thing did. So I'm uh, pretty pretty surprised by it all. So that will be kind of cool. And uh, I my physicality kind of decreased each week, so I'm I'm actually in good health for once. So Do you, have, <laughs> you haven't been taking hard bumps or anything. I I uh, almost took some bumps when I was pretending to be a firework, but I was okay in the end. I uh, I was I didn't I didn't fall over, so I lived. Yeah. So that was my uh, that was my big thing for the week, and then of course this week you and I are both heading down to WrestleMania. That's right. State of Louisiana. I've never been to New Orleans, and you're gonna you're gonna show me all the sights based on your your vast amount of time you spent down there. Yeah, we're gonna go, have to go to Bourbon Street then, because that's the only place I've I've really visited. <laughs> Well, my hotel is not far off of Bourbon Street there, so you're, I think you're, you're going to be downtown somewhere. Aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to be on St. Charles, uh, not that far away from the RussellCon Hotel. So that'll be a pretty cool time, and and my wife and I will be there, and I'll be tweeting out a bunch. So follow me uh, at Mukagana, and uh, if you're at any of these shows or you got somewhere cool to go, please let me know about it, and I'd love to uh, try to meet up with people and you know get drinks with them. And you can any drinks you want to buy, Brandon, you can give to me instead. And, uh, you can buy me water, though. I'll take water. Buy him water. You can buy him a, a, a veggie wrap. You can buy um, me a water and then tip the bartender a dollar. That's what you okay. should always do. You should always do that. Um, so this is, of course, the WrestleNomics Radio's free edition. But we do have the WrestleNomics Radio Super Serve edition. That's a subscriber show that you get by pledging on Patreon. That sounds and good. Super Serve edition. I like that. 
Yeah, yeah. We should give some credit to uh, uh, an unnamed WWE official. Who, like Louise, uh, yeah, that's good. Suggested that. Um, but, you know, on this show, we're going to talk about the Louisiana State Commission. We're going to talk about MLW. We're going to talk a lot about WrestleMania, all sorts of numbers around WrestleMania, even some legal stuff with WrestleMania. Yeah. We're going to talk about ticket sales updates for all the indie shows. We got impact and we got a profile on forbes about a rest a wwe uh, executive but on the super serve edition and subscriber show through patreon uh only five dollars a month and you're able to get access to anywhere from 60 to 120 minutes a week that we do a bonus content uh and that that's going to include the ct lawsuit we're going to talk some more network numbers we're going to talk ufc's acquisition talk about pwg the andre the giant documentary uh attendance numbers and then of course some aero lucha update uh because uh jason brown ceo cannot keep his mouth shut and so uh there's a follow-up to last week's story um so that'll be fun but uh this week i'm looking forward to all the stuff here and we got a lot going on about louisiana state commission this is uh, big. I, this is a this I, is as big a week as it, it's getting bigger than this in wrestling and in wrestling media does it like this is yeah. WrestleMania week when, and russell radio is covering is covering commission politics the way that uh, you know only we decide would be the most interesting thing of this all. This is the biggest story in wrestling business that that we know of. So, I was baffled by this one because I I've, I've had a really stressful week at work and I kind of was in and out of of what I was paying attention to and suddenly I saw everyone was talking about the commission and I I was like what are they talking about and so I it took me a little while to kind of catch up on all this so what were these these big you know, it's not a surprise that WrestleMania is happening in Louisiana. Everyone's known this for a year. Why are people surprised the week of the show that there's a wrestling commission there that we've always known is there? What are they doing or what's happening that is surprising so many people? Well, they're going to ban some moves. At least they said they will. Um, there is a, a, a document came out that lists six banned types of moves. Uh, all variations of the pile driver. That's number one. Number two, all variations of the power bomb. Number three, the moonsault, shooting star, or 450 splash, or any variation thereof which involves one wrestler leaping or flipping off the ropes or turnbuckles to contact the head or neck. We'll talk more about that. Number four, the stun gun, which I think it is referring to the snake eyes, like when somebody tosses you and you hit your throat on the top rope. Number five, uh, the striking uh, of a wrestler's head with any object. And number six, just like the old NWA, no wrestler shall be thrown over the top rope. This is this is yeah. real life in 2018. This is happening. I think it, and, I, I've suggested that it's, it's all a big angle. That's it's going to be revealed on maybe on the uh, the spring break show when uh, Bill Watts comes out and reveals that he was really behind this all along. <laughs> so we we did hear that um, there's going to be different levels of interpretation for this depending on the professionalism of the show. Right? That yeah. different companies might be subjected to different levels of rigor. Yeah, we should mention Bix did a very nice article about this on Deadspin, where he talked to uh, to Luke Hawks and he got in touch with the the commission itself. Um, and who is Luke Hawks? So Luke Hawks is the the person who's a wrestler and a promoter in Louisiana who uh, is providing the license, to our understanding, for both the WM live shows and the WrestleCon shows. So same license, and and as you, people might know, WN and WrestleCon are running shows all day. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So there's going to be shows running simultaneously using the same license, is my understanding. Yeah, and Luke Hawks, uh, back in the day, he was he went by the name of Alter Boy Luke um, when he was in XPW, which is probably where, where people of my generation would remember reading the name, probably didn't remember him as a wrestler. And he's done a bunch of um, – uh, 
he's done a bunch of WWE kind of jobs over the years. Like he's someone where if you you aggregate a lot of stats like I do, you'll come across him a lot. And he even said that he uh, did uh, some time as a guest trainer at the Performance Center, um, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, so it sounds like he's the local promoter or the promoter of record maybe is even the best way to put it. Uh, and then all those shows that are happening in the same venue, so all all the way from Wildcat Pro Wrestling, which I think is his promotion, yeah. through you know Impact, basically needing a quote unquote local promoter. That all that stuff is basically under him. And then what I was surprised to hear is that the whole, both the WrestleCon shows and the uh, WWN shows are both under his his uh, kind of name of record. I mean, this is an issue. So I, I'm in New York State, and um. We, we deal with the commission a lot, or at least we deal with their requirements a lot. And there's there's always been like talk like, hey, you, sh- you can't rent out your license. That's not a thing that you can do. But uh, a lot of promoters let other shows use their license. And I think there's like just an argument of like who's to say who the promoter really is. Um, unless you've got shows running simultaneously, which is what's happening in this case in Louisiana. Like, Yeah, you- that that's <laughs> going to be really interesting. And I would be curious – a couple of years ago when, when WrestleMania was in town in New York, I guess that was more in New Jersey, though, um, who was who the promoters of record for all the New York shows? Did they get lots of different people or yeah. did we have a similar situation? And then, you know, there's other things that Louisiana bans. I think they ban blading in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so someone was joking that, you know, L.A. Park alone might do every one of these things in a single match yeah. between blading, hit, hitting someone in the hair the head ju- going over the top rope, doing a power bomb, doing a shoot pile driver, right. <laughs> jumping on top someone's head and dripping them across the ropes. Um, but yeah, it's it's surprising. I I think it was interesting. People then, of course, immediately said, "Well, what about WWE? What about Ring of Honor?" And my understanding is basically they said, "Well, those are trained professionals, and we." believe that they have enough skill because they're working for these professional companies and so that they are exempt from these restrictions because the point of these restrictions we should probably clarify came from a a situation that's happened you know i would probably say probably every state has had this happen at some point or another whether or not it's gone all the way to um uh, legislation or lawsuit is a question but it's basically someone got paralyzed by doing a match and they were probably under trained for what they were doing but I mean, we've we've seen that. I know in New York there was a situation that happened like that. Um, you 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 even were I think the one who mentioned it to me one time that that had happened uh, in Florida. Very famously was the rocker dropper case with Charles Austin. Right. Um, there's you know obviously this case here in New Orleans, and um, I'm sure in Pennsylvania I can think of at least one case where somebody died. So reading from Bix's article, Louisiana's current issues with the the pile driver go back to a show in 1996 where Aldis Jean. Bergeron, wrestling as Gino Van Dam, was paralyzed after what he claimed was a miscommunication over what maneuver was being performed. He sued his opponent, Jason, quote, Steve Anthony, I guess that's his work name, Steve, Steve Anthony, uh, Jason Dupree, and the promotion. Uh, he also sued the commission, and the result was a settlement worth several million dollars, which was held upheld on appeal. Yeah. So essentially the commission gets involved in stuff like this a lot of times if they have an active state commission where, you know, we saw the same thing happen with um, boxing in um, one of the Canadian provinces. Uh, what was it in like um, maybe Alberta where they weren't weren't going to allow like MMA shows and wrestling shows for a while I there because of Edmonton, right? Edmonton. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Edmonton. Yeah, that's in Alberta. And, Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah. And and where someone had died after a match, and so then there was this whole question about the, basically the commission was again going to review all the rules. More and put them on all events. Yeah. 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 So, so it sounds like WWE and Ring of Honor are exempt, and 
what people have been saying is that if a commissioner person is there before the shows, that supposedly some of these wrestlers might be able to demonstrate their professionalism in some way that would then allow them to be allowed to be doing it on the show. So is that what you've heard? There was a discussion on them, I think, maybe it was on Figure Four Radio or something, uh, or Wrestling Observer Radio, where they're talking about it. And so they were just basically being like, it's kind of funny to think of someone like, um, not Ricochet per se, but um, Will Osprey, and be like, he works for New Japan, which right. is arguably a bigger company than TNA or Ring of Honor. And yet that would be considered an indie show at this time for what he's wrestling, or Kenny Omega for that matter, um, you know comparatively and so they they did kind of make the insinuation at least that there might be some flexibility so i i think in some ways this might be a lot of of um much ado about nothing i i really do think that it will be questionable whether or not the shows get shut down i do think that they also run the risk of a riot you know if you have a thousand people at a show and it gets shut down because the commission thinks that someone did a dive and they shouldn't do a dive uh, and the fans aren't like, oh, someone is hurt, rather being like, oh, this is BS. <laughs> you, you do run the risk that maybe you're just going to have a riot out there. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what that interplay looks like. And I think these I think these promoters will basically figure out how to, to make the commissioners feel like they're in professional hands for the most mm-hmm. part. And, you know, it will be a, it'll be a big question mark. And I'm sure someone will get blood. During the week, there's too many matches. Well, in someone my mind. Will, will bleed hard way if nothing else. Yeah, that's my point. Someone is gonna, someone is going to get blood at some point. Get get some color, but I don't know if it will be from blading or anything like that. CCW um, is running a show. Remember that at the WrestleCon. <laughs> so is so is uh House of Hardcore, right? Right. Um, I know and Lucha Underground versus uh, uh TNA, versus which is Impact. you know, yeah, Impact. I mean, you talk about Lucha Underground. They're they've been some of the most uh, bladed bladers. On, on television in years here. I know then there's been some concern too that uh, over whether merchandise sales are going to be taxed. It was David Starr that went on Twitter and, and said that he had heard that the state was going to try to collect a 10%, 10% of all merch sales. And so I, I, I did some research on this and I found out that the sales tax in Louisiana or in Orleans Parish, which is which I believe is the uh, the parish that New Orleans is a part of, has a 10% sales tax rate. And then Jefferson Parish, which I believe is where the WN event events are, uh, that's got a 9.85% sales tax rate. So both are so about if you want to say point, if you want to save 0.15% on that Colt Cabana shirt, drive all the way over to Jefferson Parish. That's right. And uh, you save a few cents there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, and I think legally, and real quick though, I, I, and I think that's probably going to be much ado about nothing too, um, because I, I've I've never heard of sales tax uh, being attempted to be collected on on a, you know on merchandise sales at a wrestling show. It, to me, just as I guess I'm a lay mind here, but I can't imagine the state having the personnel out there to enforce that across as many shows and as many, I guess, vendors, if you consider like the wrestlers at a merch table, a vendor, like how many vendors they would have to supervise and make sure, you know, to make sure they, uh, you know, oh, you sold how many shirts? Okay. And at, at what price? Like, I can't imagine how, how this would be enforced. Enforcement? No. Legality? Yes. I mean, I, as a small business owner in the state of Minnesota, I have to pay a sales tax on all the sales to my improv show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I pay taxes to yeah. the state government on my LLC that I run. 
And so in a sense, it should be paid that way. A lot of it is that you should be paying your sales tax because you are a company that has been incorporated and that you're doing it. Now, if you're doing these purely cash transactions, there's a question mark about, you know, what you're not really a business then, right? So if people are running, you know, for instance, credit cards, things, those should be dealing with the sales tax in a lot of ways too, that you should have that ability to have the tracking of what the people are paying for. Because I'm going to guess a lot of this too will also be done through credit cards and then that means there's going to be somebody who's going to be a company that is basically doing that billing there through the Square's account. And that account should be paying sales tax on what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it would just go more towards this is what being a small business owner is versus being a hustler. So if if you choose to not pay, then you're just always running that risk that you've chosen, chosen not to pay sales tax when you're legally obligated to. And it's just that simple. I can see the so, promoters being charged sales tax on ticket sales. Sure. And because I, the commission again, any, may be more intimately involved in that. Any business um, that is running in those places should be paying sales tax. I'm not yeah. saying they're going to. I do think that a lot of people are just going to do cash and call it a day. But, you know, a lot of these people are got vendor licenses, right? So it will be interesting to see what's the difference between, you know, the vendors. Are they paying their sales tax versus, say, the wrestlers doing the merch sales? But I know there's a lot of concern like among the people who are performing, I guess, and, and going to the shows. Like, So let's say somebody does a pile driver or does a power bomb, or does a shooting star press. And, and I think we should maybe comb through the terminology in, in this uh, list of, of band moves too. But let's say somebody violates the rules. Uh, what happens? Does the this, does this match have to stop? Does the show get shut down? And like we said, it's only one promoter providing the license for shows running simultaneously at two venues for three straight days and beyond. I mean, that, I, does the promoter lose his license? Does the promoter get fined? I mean, if the promoter loses his license, that would shut down two venues that are running shows all day for, for multiple days. I'm guessing 90% of it will be a lot like in Pennsylvania or anywhere else that, you know, has had issues with commissions before. And most of the time what happens is the commission goes and gives a warning and tells, you know, tells the doctor or the referee or whoever the official and says, basically tell him to knock it off or I'm going to cancel the show. And, you know, it, it's worth well, the next match. Somebody does a moonsault. Then I think they'll cancel the show. I really do. I really I don't think they'll probably cancel the whole events. I think they'll probably just close down that show and then, you know, basically make a big stink about it. But I, I honestly just don't think it's going to be a big deal is they'll probably have a workaround like I've described by saying, oh, look, we can prove all these people are professionals. Yeah, and, and I would like to talk about the – so number three where it says in the, the list of band moves, the moonsault, the shooting star press, the 450 splash, or any variation thereof which involves one wrestler leaping or flipping off the ropes or turnbuckles to contact the head or neck of the opponent with any part of his body. And that language sounds really confusing and unclear to me because, like, if somebody does a 450 splash, well – they can do it without contacting the head or neck. Yeah, or AJ's phenomenal forearm, you could argue, is exactly the opposite, right? No sp- no flipping at all, and yet you're you're jumping off the ropes and hitting someone right in the face. You could be, yeah. I mean, the, the idea would, would to not be hit somebody directly in the face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be a worked move, but yeah, just the idea. I, I mean, this is why it's always, always a pain in the butt to try and legislate how wrestling is supposed to be what is illegal to do in wrestling and it's also why you get into these arguments about you know i'm doing a theater production i'm not doing wrestling like they tried in pennsylvania there for a while where they were you know trying to say well at the sanctuary 
Yeah. Yeah. Where, or, or I'm doing a private club exhibition and I'm not doing a private show for people. This is a trainee show, you know, that sort of thing. Um, all, you're always going to run into these basic ways that you can argue that, um, it's, it's a, a problem, uh, that you're trying to fight with, but I don't think you're ever going to actually legislate it out. And so I think most of it is just to have something on the book so that you can at least yeah. threaten people if you actually are trying to threaten people. Yeah, I, I think this is the commission. All right, they, they're, they're legitimately trying to protect people because they know that uh, in 1996, there was a very serious injury and there was apparently a, a million dollar settlement. It cost a lot of money, probably cost the, the commission money as well, because it sounds like they sued the commission in, in addition to the wrestler that the wrestler was wrestling. So, so anyway, they want to protect the wrestlers or at least give their their authorities or you know the people who supervise them some evidence of hey look we're doing something to try to address these problems that we've had in the past but then you, you read the, this list of uh the, the way they're trying to ban these moves and the, and the terminology that they're using and it's clearly you know it just, it just shows their hand of like okay th- this was re- written by somebody who's not very well informed or educated on pro wrestling and yeah and if and the point that i raised on twitter a couple days ago is like if you really wanted to help wrestling if you want to regulate it uh, fine, okay, let's regulate it, but you need to regulate it uh, in a way that's actually going to help wrestling. And I think so many of these commissions, probably all of them, uh, are all the, the rules are all made up with little input from people in pro wrestling, little input from people who are you know who would know what what would really help wrestling. And I think one of the ways that you would regulate wrestling in a way that would actually help it would be to start regulating who's allowed to train people. You know, what, what conditions are required for training people? Because a lot of what happens, and you, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, probably what happened was this, you know, this person was not really well trained in wrestling or whatever. Even if that wasn't the case in that particular instance in 1996, a lot of times what happens is people aren't well trained. They're, uh, they try to do things that they're not, you know, they shouldn't be doing or they're not prepared to do. Or they've been brought into the into pro wrestling by people who haven't set the greatest example for them in, in making wise decisions with their safety and with their opponent's safety in the ring. And uh, they, they end up hurting people. And I think if you regulated wrestling training in a smart way, things could be a lot better and could be, well, I guess safer is their main concern. Yeah. And I think I, I, I've always thought that that was one of the reasons why it's some, it did make sense to create bonds and whatnot when you're trying to put on shows is basically put on some kind of ability to say there's some financial thing tied to insurance or something else to protect the people working on a show. I, I also do think so of you're, like you're talking about a surety bond. Yes, I'm saying I, I always thought so that a surety bond. It's my understanding. So we are, we're required in New York to get a ten thousand dollars surety bond, but that doesn't protect anybody's safety. That protects well, the, the fans from a promoter who cancels the show and doesn't refund tickets or doesn't pay a wrestler uh, the, the agreed-upon price. Which, And by the way, this is another thing, at least in New York, which is, to my knowledge, I don't know of one instance where a surety bond has had a claim made against it. But yeah. Well, I, 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 but don't you also have to show some kind of insurance for the so, uh, sales show? In New York, you have to have medical insurance as well, which is yes. very expensive. Yes. And, and so I – I think back to like what Brink's, uh, Brink Lindsay and Stephen M. Uh, tell us. They wrote a book called The Captured Economy, How Powerful and Rich Themselves Slowed on Growth and Increase Inequality. And one thing they kind of talk about in that book, which is, is vaguely remember, reminds me of this, is just this idea of saying one way that you create inequality in an economy is that you give power to certain people and then you restrict that power from other people. And oftentimes there's not a reason to restrict that power because then it basically creates uh, the ability for people to overcharge for services. 
So the, the, the simple example is teeth whitening. And dentists have basically sued in tons and tons of states to say that a teeth whitening clinic has to be run by dentists. It can't be run by other people. And there's a pretty strong argument to say eh, it probably is not that important that dentists are the people doing this. And the only reason the dentists want it is, A, it's a lucrative market, and B, if they control it, they can keep it as a very expensive practice versus you know, actually being able to drive down the costs. Um, and so it's a great example of just basically how y- you see things like that happen a lot where – these groups basically find ways to prevent other people from entering industries, not because they're necessarily looking out for the best interests of everyone involved, but because it's somehow there's a way that they can kind of game the system and help them out. And I find that all their economic interests. Yes. And I find that a lot of commissions are more generated by that where, you know, you're talking about the New York state regulations. And the thing about this is that these banned moves that we're looking at is actually based on a a relatively recent revision of the rules Mm -hmm. that Vic's got a copy of. Because if you go back to the New York state rules, when I started looking at New York state rules, you still had things like manager's licenses and Mm -hmm. like coat valet fees and like rules from his punches. Yeah, like rules. rules. It was like the the unified rules of like 1906 or something that were still on the books in theory and they were still cleaning them up. And so at the time you could say, yeah, there's a lot of things that technically the commission could say were illegal, but nobody enforced them. And so enforcement is the big question here is basically – I think what they're basically saying is that the commission has the right to end a match that they don't think is safe. And I think that's probably how they're going to interpret it is mm-hmm. that if they really feel like you know these are two backyarders in there waffling each other with barbed wire bats, it's not safe. We have the right to shut the show down. If it's you know professionals that are running in a venue with insurance and everything else here, it's probably not going to be in a situation where they say this is going to be a problem. Now, if like we say, somebody is out there and appears just to be flagrantly doing all these things in such a way that is not safe, there's always a possibility. And you're right. How do you trust somebody from an athletic commission who who has very little experience in pro wrestling is not very well informed in pro wrestling to make a decision like that though? I I think there's something to be said about. I think there's something to be said about like protecting people's safety. And all right, if you want to set a threshold and say, hey, we don't want any anything that's super violent or crazy, I think that's fine. But you need somebody who's who knows pro wrestling, or maybe multiple people who know pro wrestling to get together and make decisions like that. Yeah, but you're arguing about. Are are people that are qualified to do things actually qualified to do them? That's right. And that is what I'm that, arguing. <laughs> that one, that's such an open question. No, I don't think that they're going to be qualified to do it. I think they're going to make a judgment in the time um, because that's why they're on the commission is that that's, you know, it's the same thing when we read through all the, the NISAC correspondence with the Athletic mm-hmm. Commission of but New York. Why, why should we as pro wrestlers or, or, or other you know, pro wrestling promoters, why should people who work in pro wrestling um, be expected to follow the, the – the mandates of people who have no education in wrestling don't know, know, know what they're trying to enforce because they're they're members of the government and you are part of the state that uh, has set those rules in place. Yeah, well, the government should be more just then and should include people who <laughs> who are informed about the, the sports or athletic activities that they're going to govern. I mean, th- think about the New York State one. The reality is 99 percent of the people involved in the New York State Commission are there for the boxing money. They could care less about the right. pro wrestling money. And now even more so because MMA is involved in, in, in states yeah. like New York who are newly, you know, you know, allowing MMA. Yeah. And so it's like they, they could care less about pro wrestling and they see it as a they see it as a necessary evil that they have to somehow include in their regulations because, A, it would give up some of their mandate 
And one thing that they're loath to do is give up their mandate. And B, they get some money off of it because they get a percentage of the gate. And C, it get, makes them have relevancy is that the more things that they can say that they're responsible for, then they can make it seem like they need a bigger budget. Yeah, that's so. a bullet point. And the thing I've argued is that if, if pro wrestling was invented five years ago, it would never be covered by an athletic commission. No, it'd be like Cirque du Soleil or something like that. The where- only reason why there's athletic commissions governing pro wrestling is because decades ago, it would pro wrestling promoters try to pass wrestling off as a real sport or whatever, and... Or people didn't know how real or how not real it was, so the states got well, involved. But but you could also and argue here we it are was left with with that legacy. But but in like places like California and whatnot, it was also meant to protect consumers from not getting bait and switched. Where they would do things like say, if you don't deliver on the main event you said you were going to deliver on, and you sold a ticket on that, you have the right to get a refund. And so there, there is an element of consumer protectionism that is is relevant for commissions to say otherwise basically people will lie, steal, and cheat and steal and that there will be very little repercussions for people that maybe bought a ticket unlike a lot of other forms of entertainment that were delivering what they said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think commissions are necessarily useless. I just think that they're – In their current form, they are pretty useless. But they could be <laughs> – they, they could be a lot less useless and could be a lot more effective – uh, but they probably need people who actually know something about pro wrestling to create the rules. Yep, yep. So what what we're saying right now is that for a small um, consulting fee, yes. Brandon Howard Thur- Thurston the Third mm-hmm. will come out to your town and provide his sor- services as an expert trainer and adjudicator, and he will also debate people. I will debate yeah. people. Wow. Yeah, and you will debate people for money. Uh, so that that's an extra service, uh, $25 patron uh, oh, level. Oh, no, my fee is much higher than that. My DMs, <laughs> DMs are open. Slide into his DMs there. Uh, yes, my, my and, fee is very high, though. So, Well, you know what is what is a lot cheaper than uh, that? I got to say what? Dollar Shave Club because is. that is a way you can get an amazing affordable shave. Mm-hmm. And it is unbelievably affordable because they deliver everything you need to look feel and smell your very best that's right and mookie when i say dollar shave club if the first thing that pops into your head is an amazing affordable shave then once again we are about to blow your mind yeah because the dollar shave club is more than just razors it is better than shopping in a store because they deliver everything you need to look smell and feel your very best whether that's shampoo body wash toothpaste and, of course, some of the best razors I've ever used. I can speak to this personally uh, for my award-winning performance on Wednesday. I shaved. You're cl- are you uh, cl- clean-shaven right now? I'm clean-shaven right now, and I got that from amazing high-quality shave just from the Dollar Shave Club Executive Razor. And what was the best part of that was Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. It helps the razor gently glide across your skin. I have very sensitive skin. I'm a very sensitive man, so that makes sense. But you have to experience the sensitivity and the excellence of dr shape carver's shave butter and uh, that's what i use every time i use these razors and it i get a award-winning shave that's right the, the shave butter so i don't shave completely but i have used it to shave like my neck and like the cheeks in certain areas where i'm very very patchy and uh, another must have experience is how dollar shave club delivers everything right to you and that means no more trips going through the store and wandering through aisles and finding razor shampoo toothpaste and all that uh, you don't have to go to the cashier or anything you just go online sign up right now and keep in mind, for a mind-blowing experience, you can join the Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. You get free shipping. 
you'll get a a, a multi-blade executive razor, trial sizes of the shave butter, the body cleanser, and one wipe Charlie's. And then the blades just keep coming for a few bucks more a month. So you can go to dollarshaveclub.com slash WE because you're a WrestleNomics executive slash WE. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash WE and sign up. And uh, when you sign up that way, it gives credit to WrestleNomics Radio. And that helps fund this show so that we can do things like talk about the excellence and incompetency of commissions. Have you used the one whip Charlie yet? Do you know what this is for? I mean, I, I know what I imagine it's for. I actually used it on my face um, oh, to, to kind of clean up some, some of the... Uh, yes, it's for wiping your face, I think. Is that what okay. it's for? Uh, I think it's for all, all any kind of wipe you need. Any, any, any kind any, of wiping that you need to do, you need to do it with the One Wipe Charlie because it's an amazing experience. You had me going there for a second when you said you, you were shaving your cheeks, and then I, I realized what was going on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, MLW. It's totally acceptable for at shaving any part of your body. It sure is. Sure is. Uh, MLW has, has announced a new deal with this uh, a TV station called B I N B E I N. How do you, how do you just B N B N B N B N maybe B N Sports. Okay, and um, they it's in twenty two million homes. Do you, do you have B N Sports? I don't think so. I will look look. I, I when I saw which places carried it, it seemed like it was much more of a satellite channel, um, much more on like Dish and Directv. Um, and so they're going to be showing a show. It's going to be called Major League Wrestling Fusion premiere Friday, April 20th, 8 p.m. Um, we'll have a new regular time slot. It'll be a one hour weekly show. And they are apparently getting a rights fee for the programming. It's set to be a multi year deal. And uh, it will have uh, Tony Schiavone. Post Wrestling broke this story, by the way. Yes, yes. Post Wrestling did. Maybe. Tony Schiavone and, and uh, Rich uh, Baccini, who was um, he was a WWE commentator. Under I think the name Rich Brennan maybe yes, um, back in the day and not that long ago yeah, uh, B B N T V um, they there's two versions of it apparently there's there's B N T V Sports and then there's another channel called like B N T V Sports Espanol uh-huh. so they're on they're on the the English version right now but if they get on the Spanish version that's like almost bigger than the English version from what I can hear um, um no that, I don't think it is it's it's smaller. So B in Espanol is 18 million homes. Okay, B, but I mean B in Sport USA is 22 million homes. Okay, but I mean it's close. We're we're talking about doubling yeah, it is their size. They'd go from well, around 20 million to 40 million. Would there not be a lot of redundancy there though? Um I would imagine the people watching one channel are probably not watching the other channel. But that is an interesting question. Is is would there be actually would this bring them into different homes? One thing about I, I can tell about this station is that they're big into like international soccer rights um, for Italy and, and um, Spain and some other uh, countries. Um, big soccer leagues is what I, I was reading about it. So I think I would think that a lot more people are watching it. But that's a very good point is that would it be really just redundant? Is it that the, of the 22 million, you, you have four million less that uh, get the Espanol station, but they made it sound like it would be a big increase if they got on. Yeah. It, the, uh, at least on the, on the, on the post wrestling article, it made it sound like it was an additional 18 million. Um, I don't know though. I would think like if you have one channel, you're probably going to have all yeah. the channels and maybe, so maybe, maybe you have is the Spanish version. Maybe it's trying to actually say that it's a 40 million people have the, the other station and then only 22 million have the first. 22 million have the U.S. version. 18 million have the Spanish language version. Well, it says an additional 18.4 million. I know it says that in the article, but I'm, I'm looking at the, the list of, of uh, how many homes is each uh, TV network in. 
Got it. So um, it will be interesting to see uh, who will be showing up to wrestle in this. It said that uh, low-key MVP Tom Lawler. Uh, I just Colonel, to put that $22 million in context. USA Network's on $92 million, Pops on $69 million. They, Of course, they're carrying an impact. Uh, El Rey, which has Lucha Underground, is $45 million. So again, BN Sports, $22 million. So this is like a tier below Lucha Underground's coverage, I guess. And I'm not even clear if that's $22 million. I guess that's 22 million homes that they're actually in, not just 22 million homes that can get the station. Yes. Um, that's, yeah. that's my, that was, that was, I believe that's what I'm reading here is that's yeah. subscribers, people who can actually turn it on their TV right now. But it will be, uh, it, it will be very interesting to see whether or not uh, we, we hear much about this. Obviously ring of honor has their network of, of delivery for their show. And, you know, even that I don't hear that much about week to week. And there's yeah, more. Well, it's people. a lot of syndication, like so yeah, but get, but more people can read can see that ROH show than probably can see this. Oh yes, I would agree. And I'm saying it's very hard for us to hear about that. It, it's Impact has two or three times the coverage of this, and still that's you know week to week. Some people are talking about, it, some people aren't, and we'll talk about Impact a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but I, I think like in terms of like, are we going to get viewership numbers to this? I think well, if it finishes in the top mm-hmm. 150. But only if not. they subscribe only if they subscribe to be part of that because that's one reason yeah, we don't but get th- but so 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 this list from sports tv ratings.com which is linked in the, in the doc right i think th- these are all so access is not in here because access is not a nielsen subscriber or whatever but i think all of these that are listed here which includes be in sports is so i think i think the answer is if this mlw show ever finished in the top 150 cable programs for for what day is on Oh, Fridays, Fridays, Fridays. So if, if it finishes in the top 100 cable programs for viewership, it'll be listed on Showbuzz Daily. But but given that it's on a smaller network, it, I would be surprised. I, if it I would be absolutely flabbergasted if it was. Um, you know, this MLW Fusion. Uh, someone actually gave me the the nod um, a couple weeks ago that this was going to be the name of the show uh, by just saying, "Hey, look at the filings. They filed for something called MLW Fusion." I thought, oh, that's that is true. On on the sixteenth of March, they filed for that, and so I was looking, and I noticed that actually MLW filed for the name War Games in February of this year, and so that will be really interesting to see if they get the name War Games because that could possibly have some interference with WWE. And while MLW, I mean, obviously there's War Games history that both companies have going back years and years. Um, MLW has run some War Game events and basically submitted that as their proof of concept. Of, of what, them using it, and I'm not sure that I can find WWE actually trademarking the name War Games. Um, so it'll be intriguing to see whether or not that goes in a direction, considering you know it's it's uh, Court Bauer and Alex Greenfield and uh, Nelson Swigler and um, uh, a lot of other people, Bruce Pritchard, um, Jim. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they actually do pick a fight with WWE over it if they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because a lot of times I imagine both of them could just kind of say, Hey, we have, you know, we've both used this for a long time. We can't stop you from using it, but you can't, you can't stop us. So is it like using the name last man standing match or something, you know? No, I mean, if you have a trademark, you have a trademark. That's different than just using it. Like people, I don't think that people have trademarked the name last man standing match. So part of it is to say that if you have that trademark, then you you can at, at times try to enforce it and say, I don't want there to be dilution in the marketplace. I don't want there to be confusion. But you could also oppose a trademark filing saying, I already used this name. You can't take it away. We have earlier prior use that we can prove that we're using it for. But the fact that 
it's not what WWE would mean. MLW would be more likely to be able to continue to use that versus I don't know if it would stop WWE from using it. That's what I'm trying to get at. But I could see definitely the other way around where, you know, some WWE could say you can't use the name Elimination Chamber that we own that trademark. You can't run an event and call it the Elimination Chamber. So why would this not be a problem for WWE, but it would be the other way around? What could, could an MLW? So let's say WWE runs a war games match. I'm saying I don't know if I think WWE will just kind of have a handshake with MLW and say, OK, we won't bug you about it, but. I could see WWE pushing the matter if they had the trademark. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because of the double standard. <laughs> that that's it's as simple as it is. Okay. It's not but, just because like WWE's got more money and they can fight it. And yes, yes, they could continue to fight it and whatnot. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they just came to an agreement that basically said, "Look, we won't stop you from using the name War Games, and in exchange, you can't give us any flack about us using it." Mm-hmm. And partially because you beat us to the punch. And it'll be curious. I, I I can keep looking on WWE to see if they've done anything else on War Games, but you know that was obviously one of the big questions for a long time there about you know why are they not using the War Games gimmick and and whatnot. And it, it kind of seemed like something that they actually had not invested any IP in. Mm-hmm. And so and it's we, always we've always heard that well Vince just doesn't want to do War Games. And yeah. uh, last year Triple H finally did a War Games match uh, at an NXT Takeover. With yeah, so rules, but yeah. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see, you know, if we see something similar or not. And like I say, I, I I always got the feeling like MLW was not interested in being in conflict with WWE. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you agree with that? MLW is not interested in being in conflict with WWE. Yeah, I don't know enough about MLW to say. I mean, I mean, why do you think that? Uh, just because of the people behind it with Court Bauer and whatnot. Because they've got they've their former W writers, I guess. I, I've always felt like that they they saw like the opportunity to be bigger than being in direct fights with WWE was not going to necessarily help their brand. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's more than a small indie kind of feels that way, right? Yeah, but I also would say, unlike them, some of these people have actually had a personal relationship with Vince McMahon in the past. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, and I, I don't think I get the station yet, um, but, you know, I'll be curious how much it costs to run and whether or not they can actually turn any money on this. Because uh, even if you are getting some rights fees, we've seen with uh, Impact and whatnot, this is not a great time to be starting a wrestling promotion and looking for rights fees uh, unless unless you're a big guy, unless you're the big dog. Well, they said they got some rights fees. So it's, I mean, if that's true, that, that sounds like they perhaps have a better deal than impacts got on pop right because the, the the story is that impacts deal with pop is for very little or no rights fees but for a, a share of the advertising revenue yes but to be fair impacts main source of money is their india deal right. and to india, a lesser india, degree india, their india. uk yeah so i mean that honestly if impact didn't have those deals it probably would have just shut down you know there, there would not have been a need to continue on in that direction but here i think they feel the need that they want to regrow it at some point. So yeah, it's, it's good. It's just one of those things where you don't ever really know, is it going to be net positive, net negative? How many shows are they going to run? Are they going to like Lucha underground tape a whole bunch of shows? And hopefully they've learned, learned from Lucha underground, the spoils of basically trying to, to wrap people up in contracts. And then like, like was noted in the post article, you know, what happens to a guy like Tom Lawler who has a suspended UFC contract? And can he appear on television for another company? And will anyone care? Do we have any UFC contracts to look at as far as what what they're not allowed to do? 
Uh, the only contract I can ever think of is when there was a lawsuit over somebody who was trying to go to Bellator and there was a big argument about pay-per-view. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. No. Okay. So what it was basically a big argument over was that was Bellator and UFC matching a deal if Bellator basically offered to give the same pay-per-view percentage to somebody who was trying to jump ship? And UFC was basically arguing that it doesn't matter if Bellator offers to pay you the same percentages because Bellator is going to pay you less money overall because they're not going to ever do as well on pay-per-view as UFC is. Okay. It'd be like me saying, if we get a million downloads, I will give you $10,000. Therefore, I'm matching a deal that, you know, uh, uh, WWE.com is giving you. Well, I've now I've predicated that on something that's impossible. And so I'm not really matching the deal was what the argument is. So was, so there was a lawsuit all about that and it got really technical about the pay-per-view contracts and the percentages and whatnot. So maybe the fighter's contract was included in that. Um, the only other one I can think of is in these the Kung Lee kind of group lawsuit that's going on right now versus UFC. It's possible that a fighter's contract was ever entered into uh, evidence or in the Mark Hunt versus Brock Lesnar lawsuit. Yeah, I was going to say, is the Hunt-Lesnar thing revealing It's contracts? never – no, all the contracts that have been filed, as far as I can tell, have been redacted or been sealed or have not been filed. Um, like they've been filed in such a way that they say uh, we will file this later if needed sort of thing. Okay. Um, occasionally there's like bout agreements and things, but those are not the same as contracts. You know, A contract is the you will fight for me for five years – type thing versus or for 10 fights or whatever it's going to be versus the you've agreed to fight this person on this date at this weight at this time you know and then here's how much we'll pay you so um i i cannot think of a ufc contract i've seen but if i go to my drive and search for it i bet you i i feel like there's that one story i was just talking about there and i feel like i i do have one maybe somewhere but you know um it's not randy couture is it you're right. Randy Couture had our, had uh, lawsuits, and um, you know I'm sure someone's gonna um, uh, uh, jump in here and say, "Yeah, Chris, you're thinking about blank." And uh, so here's, someone will educate us on MMA. Yeah, you know that's my uh, my absolute weakest um, area. Mm. Okay, so that that's the story with MLW. We'll we'll keep on track. You know, if they want to hire a WrestleNomics corner, where you know every every week there's a a pop a little pop up with a WrestleNom. Matrician stat, we are always available. You can slide into our DMs, let us know. Yeah. And uh, as usual, I have uh, – uh, while I pay my taxes, all everything else is on the table here for my LLC. Sorry, I still have to file my taxes. I haven't done it yet. I have done it. I did mine early. I got both my business deal done. I got my personal one done. I got my refund already. And the only thing left for me to do is I have to figure out how to file my uh, brother-in-law's taxes. So. Well, that is that is the next challenge here. Uh, give me the update. You and I are both going down to WrestleMania. I'll be there from Thursday until Monday. And uh, like I said, monitor my Twitter at Mukigana. I'll be talking a lot about where I am, where I'm going. I'll be at the Observer um, q and I'll be at, hopefully at Progress. I'll hopefully be at the WrestleCon Super Show. Of course, I'll be at WrestleMania. Um, maybe some other stuff. But uh, what what, do you, what can you tell me about where I can still get some tickets? Because I got a lot of free time on that week. You can get tickets to almost everything still, except for the WrestleCon Super Show, which is sold out, and maybe something else that's escaping me. But we'll start with WrestleMania. First market tickets are almost all gone. It's not sold out yet. Um, in our dock, we have a, a map that I've grabbed from uh, Ticketmaster, which shows some little blue dots on the floor. There's, I don't know, maybe a few hundred floor seats left. 
everything else is sold out in the first market. Uh, if you go to StubHub, you can get tickets in nearly every section for starting at $55. So I will, I will probably go to WrestleMania. Um, I'll find a ticket somehow. Um, of course, that's on Sunday. On uh, TakeOver's on Friday, I believe, right? So TakeOver has got a, about, I think I, like, I counted them on Ticketmaster because there's so few. There's about 40 tickets for TakeOver left on the first market. Um, mostly on the floor, there's like a couple in the 100 section. Uh, if you go to StubHub, you can get in for $37.85 when I looked today. Um, Hall of Fame has a lot of tickets left. Like they won't even let me zoom in. I think I think Ticketmaster kind of has it set up. This is my guess. The Ticketmaster has it set up like you, you, it, when a ton of tickets aren't sold yet, they don't want you to to get the view of the arena by seat, so you can see just how many tickets aren't sold yet. So I don't know how many tickets aren't sold for the Hall of Fame yet, but it seems that there's plenty left on the first market. So let's let's talk through Hall of Fame real quick. So that's going to be Goldberg, Dudley Boys, Ivory, Jeff Jarrett, Hillbilly Jim. The Warrior Ward, Mark Henry, and Kid Rock, and people people get really worked up about the Hall of Fame every year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I've I've, uh, I've fixed it for myself. If you just think about the Hall of Fame as, don't think of it as a Hall of Fame. Think of it as a lifetime achievement award at a banquet. Yeah, and then, it's, then it all makes sense. Hey, and the earliest versions of the Slammies were almost banquets, actually. Uh, like if you watch the Heenan roast uh, one, where it's it feels that way. Um, it it does feel kind of boring, I guess. You know, Goldberg Goldberg is Goldberg. Like, I guess it's exciting, but we just saw him in the company. Yeah, and of the WWE shows, of these five WWE shows that they're going to run, the, the Hall of Fame is one I'm the, the least interested in. Yeah. Deadly Boys, again, They it feels like they were just in the Fed. You still see Bubba, uh, Bubba Ray all the time. Ivory, I mean, honestly – it's it's a uh, a throwback at best. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, is a surprise and could be you know would have the potential to be the most fascinating person if you were actually going to let him off the leash. Kind of the way Jim Cornette was kind of fascinating a year ago when he was going to introduce uh, uh, Midnight Express. And, and Road Dogg's going to induct him. There's speculation that why well, they're going to perform with my baby tonight. <laughs> uh, Hillbilly Jim is, I think. You know, in some ways, I've seen seen some of the most positive reaction to where, you know, I, I think a lot of people just really enjoyed his character and it, it brings up a warm nostalgia to, in a way that a lot of these other people might not uh, connect. And uh, the Warrior Award is the Warrior Award. Um, then you have Mark Henry, who is a fascinating um, person to be putting in there just because of the longevity he's had with the company and yet kind of in some ways the untapped potential of you know the stop start over all the years and then kid rock it, it's the same as anybody else it's who who is a tangentially related to wrestling that is willing to show up on the state and Vince McMahon listen to when he works out and hey you know kid rock i think is still responsible for the, probably the 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 greatest or second greatest music video of all time the uh that that uh history of the wwe video that they did to the kid rock song Oh, with like the, the uh, with all the the champions. Yeah, well, just like the 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 today, forever, tomorrow, the the whole one where it went through the whole history of all the different people, and then you know, has Medusa throwing the belt in the trash and all that. It's a kid, it's a kid rock song. Was it over? Uh, it was just some kid rock song. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite kid rock song? Ah, uh, <laughs> my favorite kid rock song is you know the what fact. Mine is? 
is the fact that on Planet Money they did an interview with him and he was fantastic talking about why he sells his tickets for like ten dollars a piece at all his shows. And like he's 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 a great businessman when it comes to like the way he markets and and promotes his shows, because then he also does kind of like a lottery system for who gets the very front row. And he basically said the reason was is he was tired of like running shows and it being just like the rich capitalist, like Wall Street guys with their girlfriends sitting there in the front row being disinterested. So he basically runs like a lottery system where like someone pays a thousand and then the person next to them is just some random person who paid 10 bucks. Mm hmm. And I was like, that. I think he's a really good businessman for that. I, I, I don't know anything else I can say uh, beyond that. But what's your favorite Kid Rock song? Well, I don't have one. It was a trick question. Um, but that, that that's nice, and that's interesting. And he's probably a wrestling fan, right? So maybe he would want to sign up and be a – what were we discussing moments ago off air? A, a, a wrestle socialist instead of a wrestle capitalist. <laughs> I think he's the ultimate wrestle capitalist, to be honest. Okay. Well, maybe we can find Kid Rock uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a week and we'll uh, – we'll, we'll interview him. We'll We'll just, yeah. we'll, we'll just put them on for the Patreon. And uh, you can go to the Super Serve bonus show, Super Serve subscription, and check out some WrestleNomics Radio with Kid Rock. And uh, that totally will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on. So Raw, of course, that's on Monday. That's got about 45 tickets remaining when I counted today. I'm, we're, we're recording on Saturday. Well, that's uh, nothing then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost sold out. The t- ticket prices are pretty high, too, like upper level, like hundred dollars or something like yeah. that um so just about sold out there StubHub, you can get in for 49 dollars. just about every section available um smackdown many tickets remaining for smackdown so i can't really you know see see any different colored dots on that one but probably a lot of tickets left for that StubHub, you can get in for 25 dollars on the and secondary I, market and i think that's the challenge is that it's so much easier to come in early and leave early rather than to come in late and leave late Oh, yeah. Like it's so much easier to go Thursday to Monday than it is to go, say, Saturday to Tuesday. Yeah, it's and not really it, leaving on a high point to, to, to do SmackDown, right? Not only that, you're, you're Saturday to Tuesday, and then you're not leaving till Wednesday because you have to stay through Tuesday night. So you're, you're really leaving on, on Wednesday. And at that point, you know, it's almost been a full week. So I'm sure that it's going to have a, a huge proportion of international fans because if you are going to come internationally, yeah, you're going to stay the whole time. You've already taken all that time off. Yeah. But I'm sure uh, an American audience is going to struggle a lot more. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we get some, you know, a more international flavor on the SmackDown audience might, in fact, you know, influence hell, you know, uh, some of the, these people that barely ever make it on television. And uh, Mike Kanellis or something will be uh, main eventing that show. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I went to SummerSlam Brooklyn in 2016 and I went to take over SummerSlam and Raw and by the time Raw came around I was I had had enough you know it was I can't imagine going to a Smackdown too well they're super serving you man uh what's happening on the uh, indie shows uh that weekend or or the professional um oh this is another alternative organizations Ring of Honor uh Lavi Margul and our friend says it's over 5,000 tickets sold for Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor which is super I can't remember if it's on Friday or Saturday but it is on my calendar tells me Saturday. Yes, it's on Saturday. We were just discussing it. It's on Saturday night. Uh, few tickets remaining. The map I have in the dock, which you can see on Ticketmaster, uh, it seems through Ticketmaster they're already doing secondary sales right within Ticketmaster. But as far as, as far as first market tickets that are available, it's like in the dozens. It looks like. So I would I would say easily less than two hundred, maybe even less than a hundred tickets left for that. Uh, but you can go on the secondary market and get in for $33. So does it make you think, okay, they're doing 5000 plus, but All In is trying to do twice that. 
And is that the sort of situation where they can do it because, hey, it's a one-time only thing and they're not competing with a thousand other shows diluting them? Or do you think yes. it's like, oh, gosh, maybe 5,000 is kind of what the size of the secondary marketplace is now for wrestling that doesn't involve a New Japan? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, it's at least somewhere in between. I think this show is... I don't want to say hindered. It's it's helped in a lot of ways too, right? By the by the fact that you're going to have a ton of wrestling fans that are going to be in the area anyway. But but all in is being pushed as like another travel event. You know, I don't think they're just expecting to draw from the people in Chicago. They're expecting to draw from people nationwide and worldwide too for that show. And they're gonna and they're gonna bundle that in with the convention that they're doing. And there might even be other things to piggyback off of it that we don't even know about yet or haven't even been conceived yet. But. uh yeah, I, I just I, th- I think I'd, so. Yeah, no, I look at this and, and I think they could still maybe they'll do ten thousand. I don't know if they will, but uh, they can. I think they can do more than five. Okay, um, I I think Ring of Honor has shown some great you know depth of of being able to really get this show going, and it's going to be a huge deal for them. What what is the main event of this card? Is this going to be the 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 Briscoes versus Jay Lethal and Hiroshi Tanahashi? Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, the Cody versus Kenny Omega, Dalton Castle versus Marty Squirrel for the ROH title. Maybe that's the main event. I was going to say, isn't is Cody and Kenny on this show? Oh, maybe. Okay, I'm reading this in reverse order. <laughs> okay, because I was going to say Cody and Kenny is what I was thinking of as the big draw that's that's out there in terms of the angle they've been working. I mean, Tanahashi's a big draw too, so don't. I think having him on the show helps a ton. It's Cody versus Kenny Omega, Dalton Castle versus Marty Squirrel for the Ring of Honor title. Kelly Klein versus Mayu Iwatani for the Women of Honor. Uh, tournament, uh, one of our championship tournament semifinals, Sumi Sakai versus Emma Tinel Dashwood, and another semifinal. And then they're going to have the final later on. Hangman Page versus Kota Ibushi, uh, Kazarian Daniel, Scorpio Sky versus Flip Gordon, the Young Bucks, Tomohiro Ishii versus Punishment Martinez, Kenny King versus Silas Young for the TV title, and as I mentioned, Briscoes versus Jay Lethal and Tanahashi for the Ring of Honor tag title. So, WN Live is uh, running one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine events. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight events at WrestleCon. Um, the biggest one is spring break as of yesterday, as of Friday. 1,129 tickets have been sold for spring break. Uh, the, the WrestleCon venue is, must be somewhat smaller. Uh, so, so the numbers that I'm about to say for WN and for WrestleCon, again, shouldn't be compared because the numbers that we have for WrestleCon don't include any general admission sales, but the WN numbers do. So again, Spring Break's got the most. They're over 1,000. The first progress show is over 1,000. Uh, the second progress show is at 725. I don't know. Should I just recite the numbers here? WN Super Show is at 667. Uh, moves down from that. Uh, Bloodsport is at 412, Evolve 369, uh, Shimmer 321, the other Evolve show 371, Beyond's got the smallest attendance at 231. Um, on, on WrestleCon, so the WrestleCon uh, venue is by you, right? It's it's pretty close to the Superdome itself, isn't it? Yeah. Sugar Mill. WrestleCon Super Show is sold out. Uh, other shows performing well. The Impact Show, which is going to have some Lucha Underground involvement, right, is at 345. Revolver is at 340. Uh, Rev Pro at 316. House of Hardcore, 229. Again, these are all not including general admission. Uh, The Crash, the Lucha Promotion, The Crash, 177. CZW, 170. The 
<laughs> may or may not get shut down as it goes, and a Wildcat at 156. So. And by the way, I just totaled these up. So, uh, Oh, holy cow. And my hotel's only a 20-minute walk from uh, the uh, Superdome. See? Yeah. You just, you just walk right to WrestleMania. It's going to rain a lot that week, but yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. By the way, I should give credit. This, these, again, are from uh, Jacob Cohen on Twitter. You can find him. Probably just search. I think it's Mr. Jacob Cohen. That's his username on Twitter. Uh, he's been posting uh, this data uh, every couple days or so. So the WN uh, ticket sales, which include general admission, so it's all of the all of the uh, the tickets being sold. They're they're at a total of over five thousand tickets sold already. Over two hundred thousand dollars in tickets have been sold across all of the WN events. And what I think is fascinating is you got the Blood Sports Show on Thursday at three, uh, which is only drawing about eleven thousand, twelve thousand dollars, and then you have shows that are drawing less people like uh the evolve shows but they're drawing fifteen thousand dollars because the the blood sport show is cheap because it's it's on thursday afternoon though um it, it looks really interesting um you know maybe actually i should look up what my uh, calendar is that why is it that i thought i couldn't go to that show oh it's because it's all the way up at that other place that's right because it's uh it's so far away from my hotel that i thought it's it would be a, me yeah, because it would be a, a big pain. That's the biggest problem is the two the distance between the two places is going to be like good twenty five minutes or so, and so it's tough to kind of get from one to the other to the other. So you're spending a lot of time kind of traveling. So what, what if, are you doing on Thursday that that's going to make that difficult to go? I'm going to go to my hotel <laughs> and hang out in downtown. I don't know. Just you know, it will just I'll, I'll probably have just arrived, and so it'll be kind of awkward to like arrive and then immediately go right back the direction I came. Getting on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, getting okay. oh, I'm getting on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there before you. Yeah. So you should go to Bloodsport. Have a uh, have see see how it holds up against the movie. That's a great idea. Maybe we'll compare and contrast. Compare and contrast. I'm hoping that they they go all out with basically uh, comparing it to the movie. I know they just show they just put out the T-shirt for it. Um, I, I saw through Bix's account that they had a list of all the people that were going to be at the Bloodsport event, which. Let me see if I have have it here right on my fingertips. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Matt Riddle and Luke Loki. It's going to be Nick Gage and Tim Thatcher. It's going to be Dan Severn versus Chris Dickinson. It's going to be Masada versus Martin Stone. It's going to be Walter versus Tom Lawler. It's going to be Eddie Kingston versus Tracy Williams. It's going to be Dominic Garini versus KTB. Do you, you probably know most of these people? Most of them, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think a lot. I think it's got a lot of intrigue to it, and I'll be very curious to see how much they gimmick up the guys to, you know, kind of have more, even more personality and and interest. Taking down the ropes, I understand. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, I'm not surprised. I'd heard it was going to be kind of like a almost like a grappling thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they use kumite rules where you can knock mm-hmm. it out for a win. Remember? So yeah. And uh, if you're or curious, just, or just throw the guy off the fucking runway. As they yeah. Say. Yeah, and uh, if you're curious to hear Brandon's entire take on uh, Bloodsport, make sure you check out. A couple weeks ago, we did a, a detailed review of the show, and Brandon got very uh, philosophical with his pro wrestling booking philosophies around the finale of the show and uh, how it deviated from traditional American heat, and he appreciated that. Yeah, if you want a, a deep uh, pro wrestling influence analysis of Bloodsport the movie, you've, you've got to become a patron. Or uh, I, I decided we're not going to use the word patron. You got to become a subscriber for five dollars a month. You got to listen to the Super Serve Edition because uh, you got to become a member of the WrestleNomics universe. Yeah, because we we said that for as long as we stay above two hundred dollars a month, uh, we will begin doing monthly uh, wrestling movie reviews, and uh, 
uh, obviously all our SuperServe subscribers get to choose what we're going to look at. Um, so you, we talked about all the ticket sales here. Is there any other shows you wanted to mention? Or the the one thing I was curious about is, you know, WrestleMania obviously uh, is doing all right. Do you think Daniel Bryan is having an influence on WrestleMania? He has an influence for me as a fan, I guess. Um, I'm more interested in going to WrestleMania because he's going to be there. And by the way, I think that for as much as we can bury uh, WWE for all that it doesn't do well, this is a pretty good WrestleMania card. Um, I, th- I think more so than the last several years. I think it's going to have a lot of good good quality matches. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of matches, though. I think I think we're going to be lucky that it's so late in the weekend because it's going to be heck for anybody to to run after this after a fourteen or fifteen card show. Yeah, I mean two battle royals on a show. This makes you feel like you're going back to the mid '80s. You know, watching watching the the closed circuit, seeing the clo- the uh, the battle royals in each of the cities. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a long show, but. Uh... I don't know. You, what, what's the question? Like, would they? I mean, they're all, already almost sold out. Um, well, it'd just be one of these interesting ones where you know sometimes we try to say who who helped draw, and you can make a pretty strong argument that a couple of years ago Shane McMahon did in fact help reinvigorate some of the uh, WrestleMania ticket sales when he was announced to go against Undertaker. And I mean, like, I, ideally we would we would want to like go back in time and, and look at the Ticketmaster and see like, okay, when was that match announced, and then then what did ticket sales do right after that? I mean, we, that's not extractable, as far as I know. I'm sure it is somewhere, but we. Well, I mean, you have to you have to track it week by week and and whatnot. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I I think he deserves some some credit for it. And um, you you and I were just talking off air about the CTE lawsuit, something that we're going to talk about in the uh, the Super Server edition. But mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just the questions about the timing and all this about getting Daniel Bryan on the WrestleMania card, clearing him in time for WrestleMania, and also having some resolution in the lawsuit before WrestleMania. Uh, and whether or not this was a a big work or not, yeah, was this all just a uh, a ploy for WWE to you know make the uh, the legal system see that hey, look, we we take head injuries very seriously. We take people who have lots of concussions. You know, we were very cautious with them, and we'll even even if he's a big star like Daniel Bryan, we'll we'll sideline him and we'll make him retire. I now, I have to say no. Is, I have to say no, and the reason I say no is because. There's been zero connection that I can think of in any of the filings here where they've been they've been very apt to go after silly things like the uh, Shawn Michaels angles and whatnot or an episode from like 1983 All-Star Wrestling where they talk about concussion on commentary and make a big deal about that. And I've never heard them even bring up Daniel Bryan once. And there's so many other guys that have had concussion problems in the past. Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton, Sheamus. Cesaro, you know, uh, other people that have gotten concussions on television and we haven't seen a big deal made of it. And I, I just can't say that there's I've seen a connection here to what they're doing with the lawsuit. So I think it's a narrative that's really fun for for wrestling fans to put together and say, but I don't see the the background of it that gives it a lot of validity in my book if I if I extract to 10,000 feet. Hmm. Well, well, how about this? If Dan Bryan hadn't retired and continued to wrestle, would, would Kairos be making the argument of, look, this guy's got... Uh, you know, there's there's evidence of him having concussions, and you're still letting him wrestle. I don't think so, because essentially, in a certain way, you're that, that wouldn't to, be even that wouldn't even be helpful to their argument. And I I would have a hard time believing it is because uh, he, he you'd be trying to represent a client that's not your client. 
but I guess it would be reflective of look but this this company is under uh, HIPAA under HIPAA stuff or something else. I would I would be like, how do you know that he had concussions? How do you know about his personal health? Because it was reported online. Yeah, and it, is that admissible? And you know I, that's what I mean by it. Is is it would be very hard. It would be like me trying to sue over the way a different company treats one of their employees. I don't know if I'd have standing to do it. And so even trying to introduce it, I would have to then bring in some other piece of information. So I, I just think it would be an abstraction. Um, plus, you know, the problem is you would have them say, great, here's a great example of what WWE is doing today. How does that relate to someone who retired six years ago? Okay. Well, maybe we'll argue with Joe Lance about this. We run into him. Maybe we will. Um, the bootlegging lawsuit finally came out and uh, I was very amused by this. So. Um, I wrote up a quick piece on Fightful. I actually wrote it up twice because I finished it, clicked the wrong button, and lost the whole thing, uh, which was was absolutely – you've probably done this once or twice in your own life where you've written up the whole article and you go to like fix one link and instead you go to that link and then when you go back to the page, it's all gone. Yes. I've done that a few times. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible experience. Yeah, so I was rushing through because what happened here, which was funny, is TMZ posted – I don't know if you saw that, that TMZ posted about the bootlegging lawsuit saying WWE's got their bootlegging lawsuit and, oh, they're claiming that everybody sticks the the shirts in their pants and it's dangerous for kids because it can catch fire, which is something they write every year. Oh, yeah, this is a whole part of the bootlegging. Kids stick the shirt in their pants. No, the the bootleggers keep the shirts in their pants and then they pull them out at the last second. It's it's a whole section of the bootleg. Wait, why why are they putting the shirts in their pants? (laughs) So that they're not seen carrying around 15 shirts. Oh, because they're close to the venue. Yes. Oh, so it's it, so why is it dangerous? To, wait a minute. Why is it dangerous to put shirts in your pants, though? What's because so bad about that? they're just giving examples of how these 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 pants, they have a strange these shirts have a strange smell to them. And there's chemicals being used and they could be highly flammable for all we know. And so they, they make this whole argument that there's like that children are going to buy these shirts and it's highly flammable and it's very dangerous for them. I'm not making this up. This is part of the lawsuit. I didn't realize this was what you're going to quiz me on. I would have uh, pulled but more. The, but- but doesn't that sound bizarre? Like, put shirts in your pants and it's dangerous? But then, isn't it, wouldn't it be worse to, to put the shirt on your torso? <laughs> so they, they go through this every year where they, they, uh, they post all this stuff. I'm trying to see if I can find the slide. Where you're going you're gonna to have to take a screenshot of this, of that version. Oh, I tweeted. Tweet I, it. Oh, you I, did already? I just missed it. Of course it. I tweeted it out. I, I mentioned it. Um, let's see here. Uh, Ah, it's yeah, right here. Counterfeit products sold at WWE live events, traditionally sized for children to wear use. Inferior shirt quality could be flammable. Inferior ink quality could be flammable, cause allergic reactions. Counterfeiters keep them, quote unquote, stored in their pants until store sales made. Often have strong adverse odors not noticed until indoors. Counterfeit product poses a significant public safety risk. Wait, it's a, so are they are they saying that like there's like body odor is going to get on it because you shoved it in your pants and then you sell it to the customer and no they're like, uh, they're just basically saying that they're like hiding it for some reason um, and that you don't get to see the product before you buy it I guess and and who's printing shirts with flammable materials well that's what's interesting is so when you they, you <laughs> you're asking all the deep questions that I did not expect we were going to go into here the Bix wrote a um, a piece on Figure Four a couple years ago going in depth about these bootlegging lawsuits and he kind of went through this all but you can read it for yourself um basically there's some ring that does a lot of these because they even make the point that they've arrested some of the same people in different cities in different events 
This is like a ring. This is like a, an organized unit of like the, the mob, the, the, the wrestling bootlegger, the wrestling t-shirt bootleggers, right? This is a, this is an organization. Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> it's, it's unclear. Cause they also talk about when they try to serve notice to people that they have to be able to have ID on them. So the smart ones just don't carry ID. It, it's, it's centered on the idea of them being able to say, we want to stop people from selling bootleg WWE merchandise outside of our events. Specifically, we filed in our host city for WrestleMania and we want to make sure that the whole week of WrestleMania, basically we have this injunction in place and that even though there's a police presence in or in in each of these cities and they show lots of pictures of these police people, then they say we still find counterfeiters by us. And here's examples of the, the shirts they sell. So there's lots of counterfeit shirts in the uh, the motion. And basically they're making this argument that that they have to be able to get basically this um, ex parte motion where they don't know who they're going to sue yet, but they have to get the right to basically stop people from doing it even in advance. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying that even though the police are there, they're not stopping this counterfeit stuff enough. That is still happening. And they've even found the same people in different cities in different years. Um, thus proving that you know they travel around and that they know that if they don't carry stuff. And so some of the, some of the merchandise is, is entertaining because it either comes from like weird screenshots where you know they've blown it up. Um, a couple times they're, they're, they're filings and it just says, no, the shirt is really this bad. This is not a bad picture of it. Um, and you've got an example in the doc that I'm looking at. I was, I was perplexed. I had to make it bigger. 2016 says WWE Live. There's like a WrestleMania 32 logo here, and it's got Ronda Rousey and Stephanie McMahon on it. And The Rock, and is that Batista up there? Uh, I think it's uh, Triple H. It's oh, labeled okay. Triple H. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, it's and so oh, yeah, it's Triple H. Okay, so it, it, it's from their February tour they did in California, where they went to Fresno, Bakersfield, Anaheim, and Ontario, and it basically plays off of the. I think the, this your, is clearly a Photoshop ma- mashup. Yes, because it says Extreme <laughs> Rules in the middle of right. it, and you know it's just it's funny because 2016 WrestleMania logo here. Yeah, yeah, but Ronda Rousey's on it, and it's just amusing because yeah. it's 2016. It's a Ronda Rousey bootleg T-shirt. And it's like, oh, that's that's an interesting interpretation of things where it was obviously playing off of the uh, the event in California where she did the hip toss and all that. But uh, I was just very amused by that. And then the other thing is they they list all the IP they have and basically saying, here's all the examples of things that, you know, people could be trying to to um, knock off like every single piece of IP that they have. A lot of it. They 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 have a couple filings where one where they basically say, "Here's all our registered trademarks." Then they have another one where they're like, "Well, here's all our our common use." What do they call it? Um, they they basically say this is like you know the logos and things that we're using that are not we don't necessarily have a trademark on it, but we we have we we've established this as our marks. They they do WWE trademarks pending registered with the U.S. Patent Office. Um, and then they have another one that where they just call word marks, and then they have another one called common law intellectual property designs. So, in mm. in common law intellectual property design would be like the yes 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 T shirt, or the Brahma bull, or um, uh, the Macho Man with the sunglasses, or the what T shirt or Bootios. Then you have ones like word marks that is going to be stuff from anything from Bree Mode and Bad News Barrett. To uh, Little Miss Bliss and Who Dat and Steph for Business and Enchain We Trust and Paws Out Claws Out Spare No One Spear Everyone Taking Souls and Digging Holes and if you're curious yes these are all T-shirts I did Google all them just to double check that that yes they did make a T-shirt that said Steph for Business 
mm-hmm. um, and in chain we trust. Uh, and then, and then the the pending trademarks and registered office one. This is everything like um, you know. It's mentioned we've registered Mike Knox, we've registered Michael Tarver, we've registered Montel but uh, Vontaceous Border, we've met registered Never Give Up by John Cena, um, and so it goes through all. So this one's closer to all their active trademarks. Um, but what was funny is I noticed one on here that is not in fact a WWE trademark. It is oh. for the love of football. And for the love of football was not registered by WWE. That was registered by VKM Ventures. VKM. There will not be XFL bootleg shirts at WrestleMania. Yeah. So VKM Ventures was later renamed Alpha Entertainment. So for whatever reason, in this WWE filing, an Alpha Entertainment trademark was listed as something that, that should be protected, which I thought was uh, highly interesting. That, uh, and, and, and again, like why is WWE uh, – doing some work to protect the, the trademarks of the intellectual property of an entity that's supposedly not a uh, part of their company. Yes. And not only that, like it wasn't even filed by their lawyer. It was filed by a lawyer they use often to file things, but it was not filed by, by Laura. Um, Laura Brevetti. Uh, Laura Deans Kearns, I think oh. is her name. Or Midland. Oh, maybe she changed her name. I'm trying to think uh, the name I'm, I'm actually going for here. But yes. Um Maybe they're all the same person. I'm not sure. I get confused sometimes. All these, all these names. But, uh, but anyway, do, do you know? Is like, is this effective? Like, say last year. Yeah. Were, so were there? So yes, they. It's really funny because they 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 then take pictures of all the things that they they confiscate every year at all the events, mm-hmm. and then what the uh-huh. estimated value is. And I meant to tweet out about this. I didn't even mention it yet. Um, and again, if you're a member of the pro wrestling legal and research uh, uh, drive that I have. You can see this this lawsuit um, as I loaded this onto the drive, I believe. I hope I did. Um, and and one thing that's funny about it is you can read through it all. And it has a list of, you know, we seize this many T-shirts. We seize this many foam fingers. We seize this many poster, like a large size poster things. And it talks about, you know, we raided the store that was selling counterfeit merchandise one time. We raided, you know, we found these people. And then one of them is um, they were Sunday night heat DVD sets. That somebody had made, like bootlegs, making them just for you. So they were selling these sets, and they said they seized the five hundred of them times twenty bucks a piece. So they they were implying that they seized like of the like fourteen thousand dollars of merchandise. They said they seized almost all of it was Sunday night heat set DVDs, which I just had to. to, to I was laughing just looking at that. <laughs> just that Did they, they seized them from you. No, they didn't seize them from me. But you might remember a few years ago at like a WrestleCon type event. There was a bunch of seizures of like WWE stuff where they were claiming oh, they were that. selling like bootleg stuff. So yeah. is it effective? Yes, because basically and, – and this actually went to a, a um, uh, an appeal court thing about who is allowed to seize merchandise because there was this whole argument about basically WWE doesn't have the authority to take anything. They have to get someone to go and take it. And there was an argument about, well, will the police the people that should seize it? And eventually I think they decided that the U.S. Marshals had to get involved to be like the people that would actually do the seizures. But yes, at the end of every one of these, they usually do have a few people where they replace the names John Doe with the names of the people they're actually suing. The problem is a lot of them don't show up to court. And basically that's the end of it is that some of them are not residents of that state. And so they're basically being sued in another state and they just don't show up. And that's the end of it because it's a state court action. Um, is, is there like a radius that uh, that this whatever they're doing, this, this thing is applicable to? So like if I get beyond the radius, not me, I wouldn't do this. But if someone got beyond the radius, could they sell bootleg merch? 
without being you know without being subject to the to this whatever they're doing i don't think you can ever technically sell the bootleg merch i mean let's be clear about that there is a power that there there is a radius yes there is a radius that they're basically saying this that we would like this but at the same time they kind of make the radius the entire united states and the way they do that is basically saying hey We've got a uh, a schedule a of all the places we're going to go in the U.S. Schedule, yeah, a, a, a touring schedule, and saying we're going to be at all these places. We would like this to be in effect in all these other states and all these other places. Yeah. And how, how far out does the schedule go? Well, the schedule usually lasts about one year. So in this case, it goes from April 2017 to March 2018. And of course, I've looked at the schedule in the past. I've I found it for years and years, and some interesting things come up. Number one. Uh, every now and then the schedule never shows up. And so like a couple of years ago in Texas, we never got a copy and there was a lot of questions about what happened there and what – turned- Just real quick. You, you mean April 2018 to March 2019? Yes. Right? Yeah. It's a one-year schedule from WrestleMania basically to where they'll be close to WrestleMania next year. Um, and so a couple of years ago, for instance, in 2016 – they they put a uh, ex parte motion for temporary restraining order order for seizure of counterfeit marked goods in order to show cause why a preliminary injunction should not be issued is granted for Texas and it never got unsealed they filed it as a sealed uh, document and it's still sealed to this day and they actually included the motion as part of this filing as a backup to basically say look we do this every year here's the examples where we did it in all these other states. Going all the way back to about 2000 is the examples they gave here, going back to like New York and New Jersey and Florida and all these other ones. Um, but this this Texas one never came unsealed. And so I was actually able to look up the number on the uh, the case and it still says it's sealed today. So I don't know if that one will ever, quote unquote, get unsealed. But almost every year they file this and almost every year then it includes a schedule. And that's why I thought it was so funny that TMZ was covering this. Because I was like, no one really cares about this this silliness of why I talk about this bootleg merchandise. Like, it's funny, but it's not really that interesting. The only reason this is really interesting is because it's got a schedule in it. But yeah. TMZ didn't realize that or didn't care. And so they didn't include that part. I'm like, that's the money of the article here is that when you publish what that schedule is. And in the past, it's had a lot more international dates. And this time it doesn't. And I think the reason is because you don't – it's used – Maybe TMZ just didn't want people following up with them for months about when W is coming back to their town. <laughs> I know. Um, but it, this is only US – Which is what happens to Mookie and will happen again this year. I know. I, I, I was tempted to email the guy who's emailed me like every week for the last month. And then part of me is like that only encourages him. This is when you pay the hacker. This is this is what happens with ransomware. Uh, we do not negotiate with email terrorists. Uh, we'll just block him. Just block his email. I do. I do. He's, he's, he's on spam. So I, I don't even notice it until I go to my spam folder to see if I'm missing any emails. Okay. Well, hopefully he's not listening. But... <laughs> uh, no, he's definitely not listening because the, the guy cannot seem to understand very simple. You know, I do not have this information. I cannot give it to you. Uh, okay. But but it's U.S. only this time, I think, because it, it doesn't do you oh. any good to mention Canada or the U.K. because this doesn't apply there. You're it, not trying to apply it there. You yeah. can't you can't get a temporary restraining order that's going to be useful in Canada or U.K. without filing a separate one for that court system. So there's no yeah. way they would have to really work it. So if you're going to bootleg their merchandise, your probably best bet is to do it in another country. Um, they they also included the China date on here, which I'm guessing was just a, an omission. And the reason I, you might say, oh, no, they mean this or that. No, it's an omission. And I know that because they misspelled the word schedule on the lawsuit. 
So if you actually look at the WWE filing, it says WWE tour schedule, but they misplaced the D and the U. And so to me, if you're going to make that clear of a spelling error, there's no doubt in my mind that you're also going to forget to take China off when you're not supposed to include China. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it would be shocking to me that they have so few dates worked out um, because usually they have a ton of dates worked out here to kind of you know tell us in advance. And in fact, um, if we think about where that uh, – You think this is a low number of dates? Compared to what they've given in years past where we've seen like mm-hmm. the UK – like I'm sure they already know their UK tour dates and where they're going to be for the most part. Coming up, yeah. And but by the way, where, where can people find this? This is a this is a big story, a big uh, list of events. You, you're, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, if you go to Fightful.com, uh, you can go. It should be a wrestling exclusive there. You can either look up, you know, Christopher Harrington. You'll find it, or uh, it might even still be on the front page when I go there uh, as one of their big exclusive things. Let me see here. Uh, no, it doesn't. Look, it looks like it's fallen off, but um, it's it's on Fightful.com, and especially if you look up Chris Harrington. Uh, it will. It should definitely show up there. Or if you just type in probably WWE schedule, I bet you'll start linking to it soon. Um, yeah, and if you I, just like Google the W lawsuit reveals touring schedule. Yeah, come up. and if you put in keywords Christopher Harrington, you'll see it right at the top. It's the first article that comes up, and so it's a it's a good find every year. It's uh, something I always look forward to. It's something that I totally missed. I looked for it every day this week, and then the yeah, one day and, and, I didn't look for it, the TMZ article got posted, and someone sent that to me, mm. and then I found it. And this is more complete than like what's on W.com at the moment, right? Because they're not revealing all of their dates, but there's more dates here. Yes, yes. This is usually curious when W is going to be coming to your town. It might be in here, but but if it's not, don't email Mookie. Yeah, and and it doesn't say what is Raw, what is SmackDown, what is NXT, and it includes all three of those brands. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, the big show that's coming up in Saudi Arabia is on what date? April 21st or something like that. Let's see here. The Greatest Royal Rumble will be held on April 27th on a Friday. Seven. Excuse me. And the schedule here tells me that on April 26th will be a uh, Thursday event in Orlando. So that's probably going to be an, an NXT event at the Inglewood Neighborhood Center. A Friday event in Gainesville which, at the MLK Center, which will probably be an NXT event. A Saturday event at the Minreg Hall in Largo, which is also there. And we see that uh, Tuesday is the KFC Yum Center in Louisville. So uh, just for instance, it shows that there's no domestic house shows except for some NXT dates that week because almost everybody is going to be overseas in Saudi Arabia if you're male. Right. What are the women going to be doing, though, uh, on that show? They'll probably probably have a weekend off, which, you know, as, as people have said, if you're looking for moral high ground or consistency when it comes to wrestling promotions, you're in the wrong industry. So we can – ultimately, WWE is a business, and they've made the decision that they want this money and that they think they can get away with the least amount of outrage, and they, they probably will. And no, Yeah, and, they will because there's no – Corporate sponsor and, like and Snickers. They're not. Complaints they're not violating a law to go in and do it. You know, it's not yeah. like they're going and doing it somewhere. I think you could make an argument that yeah, they could be doing more to, um, especially if if depending on how well this is going to pay, you could make a strong argument that there's a whole bunch of women that are going to lose out on a great payday, and that yeah. that I think exactly. it should be where you would want to center your argument around is to say it's not fair right. that these people are getting an opportunity that this other group of people is not going to get, and that. At the same time, WWE. Right. You see, they're going to have the the weekend off or whatever, and they can rest their bodies and all that, and that's nice. But but the people who work the show are going to get paid for the show, and the people who have to stay home aren't going to get paid for the show unless they're going to do some special location because they're not able to go on the show. You know? Yeah, unless. And I think 
doing an all women show would just draw so much attention to it that I think they would know it would blow up. Plus the week, the month of Russell, yeah. well, the month of what WrestleMania I mean is like it's too much work for them to try to plan. It's it's ludicrous already that they're trying to do such a big show so close to WrestleMania because it's a ton of work to like just the logistics of it all. I mean, the fact they there's started a, canceling house shows in Canada and the U.S. After, right? says a lot. I think they're supposed to do a house show in Rochester that day. Some people even said. And there's an international tour, but in May, right? Uh, I would imagine. When, or in April. When do they do the um, – it's, it's usually in April, isn't it? it? I always thought it was in April, but when I'm looking – yeah, I think it is in April because I'm looking here. Because whenever we like run attendance numbers, yeah. like April as yeah. for U.S. Canada is always blank because they're always yeah. in Europe or something. And the dates here between April 11th and April 28th, more than half of them are Florida dates and the only other dates yeah. are for the most part like – um, either NXT dates, like when they're going to Jones, Johnstown, Pennsylvania on 422, yeah. or occasionally uh, a few other, like a Chattanooga event and uh, mm-hmm. Bel Air and things. But yeah, for the most part, it I, I think they're going to be doing international stuff. So people are going to be tired. I, I mean, it will be interesting to see how it's handled. And again, whether or not there's ever any mention of it or, or people bring up the fact that, you know, someone like WWE co-president Michelle Wilson would not be treated as an equal or welcomed, you know, in her professional capacity there. So, yes. or the, or the inventor of women's wrestling herself, Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. So, but at the same time, they've, they've made that this decision. And, you know, I, I do feel like it's a little bit of a dead horse for me to just keep beating it over and over again. I've made, I've said my piece, I've made my point that I, I agree they should, People should continue to pressure WWE to um, be consistent with their messaging, and this is a great example of them being hypocritical. But you could write books and books and books on the hypocrisy of WWE or the things that As we should, or the things that WWE tells you that are not always true or that are different than they really are. And you know, I mean, Lavi Lavi wrote a book, uh, Trump Mania. And hey, if you're at uh, WrestleMania weekend here, you're going to be sitting waiting for shows to start. If you're going to be in airports, you're going to be on airplanes, you're going to be in hotel rooms, you're going to be wanting to kill some time. And you want to read. I heard there's a deal. There's a special deal going on. You want to read a book? Yeah, yeah. Trump Mania is out there. And I think if you go to Amazon right now, the Kindle version of Trump Mania is like half off right now, if I'm not mistaken. 50%? 50% 50% off. I'm, I'm clicking on it right now. And if you are a Kindle Unlimited reader, you can, in fact, read it for free right now. And uh, I, I think right now you can save at least 33% um, when I'm looking at it at this moment. And, in fact, I think there's even going to be a more special deal closer to WrestleMania week. Mm. So, uh, you know, check out Lavi's book. He's been getting a lot of press. He was written up in PWIs, written up in a lot of other wrestling magazines and things. So, uh, And we had a great interview with him uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah where we talked about the book. So again, you want to talk a uh, strange WWE facts and hypocrisy. We're going to obviously get one number for attendance and a different number coming through the turnstiles later on and all sorts of That's other right. information that could be different. But uh, the- we're going to talk about WrestleMania three later. Are we talking about that uh, on this show or, or on the uh, super serve edition? Let's do it on the super serve edition, but we might talk about WrestleMania in uh, Minnesota in 2020 oh. or 2021. We know those years as possibilities because uh, in a Star Tribune, it's usually just me projecting my uh, my, my wishful thinking. But uh, but go ahead. Yeah, there, in, there's a Star Tribune article by Rochelle Olson, and she's talking about the MSFA, which is uh, a let's see, what is it? The Minnesota State Facilities Authority, and it's basically the people that run the U.S. Bank Stadium, and. Um, in there, they, they do reporting every year on lots of different things. And, and of course, since there's uh, taxpayer money involved, there's a lot of, of 
transparency that needs to happen. And some of this especially was around who gets to use the luxury suites and who what, was it just like family members of people that were on this commission or was it actually going to be used for like the purpose it was supposed to be, which was like marketing. Uh, and so they, they gave a list in the Star Tribune article and uh, I got to give a shout out to Brandon, um, who was the one who actually alerted me to this. And it's not me, uh, Smart Brandon. Yeah, Smart Brandon, uh, Sir Martin Gale. Uh, he, he sent me a thing being like, hey, did you notice this? Because what it said is that, you know, who was coming to some of these suites in the games and uh, what was the idea behind why they were being basically bribed to go and be in a suite. So a lot of times they're promoters or they're people that they're trying to get to come to do business. So this is about games that have already happened. Yeah. So they mentioned people have already sat in the suites. Okay. They, I, I believe so. I believe so because it talks about October and December. So I'm guessing it's from last year. The Vikings play the Ravens on October 22nd. I would assume so. Let's see here. Go-go. October 22nd, 2017. Vikings Ravens. Yes. And the uh, Vikings won 24 to 16. They sure did. Uh, and so they mentioned one person who was there was quote. Kurt Hawkins and others, which it says Hawkins, Hawkins, but I, okay. I, I'm sorry, you're right. I'm not laughing at the Hawkins. I'm laughing at the fact of all the people you could mention being at this event. Kurt Hawkins was the one who got it. And it said the reason was w- world wrestling entertainment, Inc potential WrestleMania in 2020 or 2021. And so again, they're, they're using these suites as basically like marketing opportunities to, to try to impress companies and so obviously WWE had decided to bring uh, Kurt Hawkins for whatever reason wanted to go to the event or or was it a t- Sunday? It's like he's the he's the guy they chose to take off the house show. Well, I'm I'm gonna look up right now what was where was WWE on that? Yeah, day? where was WWE on uh, what did we say October twenty second? October twenty second, two thousand seventeen. So I'm going to Cage Match. I'm going to promotions. I'm going to World Wrestling Entertainment. I'm going to results. I'm going to the little plus key. I'm going to the date field. I'm putting in 2017. I'm choosing in the first. No, Santiago, Chile. Is that where they said that's they- one event? That's one event they've got there. There might have been a second. Uh, so TLC. So it says here okay. that yeah, there was an NXT live show in ten in Johnson City, Tennessee. There was a Monday Night Raw the next day in Green Bay. So anybody there who was there early for Monday Night Raw, there was a house show in Chile, but that was SmackDown because that that had Jinder Mahal and Nakamura. Um, the TLC pay per view, and then there was a TLC pay per view that day. You're right. So um, must have been that so he, that he uh, probably wasn't on the pay per view. Rockets <laughs> so. knew he wasn't going to be on the pay per view, so he decided to go there. I was curling that night. Uh, uh, wrestler Bobby oh, were you? Bobby Shields was in town for the event, and um, I he, oh. I was not able to host him exactly. So I bought him a ticket for the show. I sent him to the show, and I went curling. Oh, that's right, I remember that. Yeah, it was a whole debacle. But yeah, I see see that uh, Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox and Oscar and Emma and and all these other people were there. And then the night before in in Mankato, here you go. So really, look at the people who were in Mankato the night before. You had Kalisto, you had Enzo. You had uh, Bailey and Sasha, Alicia Fox, Emma, Matt Hardy, Dash Wilder, Goldust, Titus, Hawkins, and Darren Young. This is a house show? It was the house show in Mankato, yeah. Uh, Strowman, Finn Balor. Where's, where's Mankato? Is that uh, yeah, it's about an hour and a half from Minnesota, or from, from uh, oh. Minneapolis. Oh. It's, where my, it's where, where my company has a big uh, manufacturing plant. 
Uh, on, on the way there, the main event? On the, on the main event was a, a street fight, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins versus The Bar, Cesaro, and Sheamus. Uh, and that also had Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. So I'm guessing that maybe uh, Darren Young went to uh, the uh, the football game maybe with Hawkins. And because uh, a lot of times they still make the guys, especially if they're going to be on Raw the next night in uh, Green Bay, there'd be no reason to go home between Mankato on Saturday and Green Bay on on Monday. So I'm sure the guys had to still go to the pay-per-view. But if they knew they were going to wrestle – they got to sit in a luxury suite. Yeah, and watch exactly. A they, they went to a, a football game, and I, I don't remember what time the football game was. Uh, I guess that would be the one big question. Probably one or four. Well, I guess it's an hour earlier because you're in Central Time Zone. Yeah, but it was probably an early kickoff, so uh, it worked out for them. And and hey, that that's pretty cool. So I, I'd be curious if we can get a, a even more detailed list. So I'm trying to get a copy of this report to see if I can get a, some details about exactly what time or who was there, if there's any other details. But uh, I was amused by that, that uh, A, it mentions that WrestleMania 2020 or 2021 is still on uh, a possibility. Like we said before, the one of the guys that manages the stadium used to work for WWE, so I'm not surprised in the slightest. In fact, there was even a promo video that came out once from the stadium where they mentioned WrestleMania coming, but in a very offhanded way. And in a way that it might have actually been like mistaken, like he was thinking of uh, the big wrestling tournament that comes to town, like NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But like he kind of referred to it as like, oh, we're doing, you know, the wrestling events. You got WrestleMania coming. We got the Super Bowl. You know, you know that kind of like very quickly didn't make it seem like it was definitely. But we've heard that in the past that that Minnesota has been in the running, but they don't want to make a lot of tax concessions. And so it's one o'clock game, one, one o'clock Eastern. Yeah. So, yeah, so he probably was able to go to the game and then afterwards go to the pay-per-view and not be in trouble. So, Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he can make both. Yeah, so just very amusing uh, seeing that little thing. But especially the fact that the event was called WrestleMania 2020 or 2021, and it was only six six months ago that this happened. So this is, you know, uh, for a couple of years out here since we know it's Jersey. Uh, yeah, next nineteen. Yeah, so – yeah. It's still a possibility, so it'll be intriguing to see what happens with that. But yeah, thank you very much for the uh, the bump and the mention. And uh, speaking of uh, you know opportunities that are being harnessed all throughout the world, uh, Impact Wrestling viewership. You did a little graph here and uh, kind of surprised me. Some of the information you were seeing. Yeah, the uh, the viewership for Impact on Pop TV is doing pretty well. Uh for impact there uh ever since you can really point to it and say well look that scott demore and don callis took over it's january and uh viewership is now at the point where they're they're kind of in the final deletion range um you know you go back to i took all the uh the viewership for every single episode of impact that's aired on pop tv which they started in january 2016 a little over two years ago they were at about 250,000 viewers, maybe in the 300 range. Uh, Final Deletion got over 400,000 viewers for that particular episode. Uh, but they were, uh, especially when after Jarrett took over in uh, late 2017, not, not that Jarrett was around by then, but by about late 2017, they were down in the, in the 200s or even maybe the low 200s for, uh, for viewership. But they're picking back up into the 300s and... Last episode, I don't have the number in front of me, but if you look at the graph, it's approaching the four hundred thousand mark. So you you tweeted out a uh, a picture of this, and uh, I, I do see that every year around January, there's a little bit of a tweak up, but not nearly as much. Like it, it does seem like mm-hmm. you know during that WrestleMania season when football ends, you generally do get a little bit more interest. 
but mm-hmm. nothing like this. This is very different. And and I think when we saw this, you know, Scott Demore, Don Callis, uh, leadership, uh, we were a little uh, jaded about would it would it really be possible to revamp the name of Impact in a way that would have a positive effect to wrestling fans, or was the name so tarnished it's meaningless? And mm-hmm. surprisingly, this would suggest that. Um, switching up the talent, switching up the direction, switching up the uh, uh, way that they promote, and uh, it, it is having a positive effect. I, I would need to go a little bit deeper. I mean, obviously, what is it? Austin Aries right now is really in a big part of their angle, and um, we're still seeing a lot of the episodes that were taped earlier in the year, right? No idea. <laughs> but. Uh... Well, I was going to say, they did a big, big set of tapings, and so for a while there, you know, we were just kind of running through it. And so I w- I'm just kind of curious what impact that has, too, on things where you kind of know what you're getting as a, a known quantity and you hear, oh, it's good or, oh, it's not good. Yeah. The the most recent episode on the 29th, this, which is this past week, 399,000 viewers. And that is the highest rating. I'm just scrolling really quick. I think that's the highest rating since the final deletion, which did 410. Um, and I just threw another graph here in the doc that, so that goes back all the way to the beginning of the Destination America run. So they're not at that level. They did, did quite a few in the 400 range, uh, one, at least one that hit 500,000. So they're not quite at that level that they were at when they were on Destination America, certainly not at the level that they were at when they were on Spike TV when they were doing, I believe, upwards of a million viewers, right? But, uh, they're, but they're doing well. And then you can look at the, um, the, uh, the YouTube channel. There, uh, I, I did some math. I went into the web archive, and I collected like at least one subscriber count on their YouTube channel for each month going back to January 2016. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, I, I did some wacky math, which I, and I invented a metric called net average YouTube subs gained per day since last measurement. Um, without going into the, into the boring, uh, explanation of what that really means. Uh, basically the story is their YouTube channel is doing, uh, much better in the last several months than it has been in the last couple of years. Um, and we know uh, Garrett Kidney, uh, former writer of Voices of Wrestling, is a uh, is I think he's pr- producer is uh, what he's got on his Twitter bio. But he's doing a lot of work with uh, with Impact, a lot of uh, social media stuff, and it looks like they're really picking up some traction, doing better. I had no idea. That's great news for him. Um, yeah, this is interesting. This this metric. So you're basically saying that now they're getting about two thousand. Somewhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand subs a day, whereas in the twenty sixteen range, they were down to maybe three hundred or four hundred or five hundred subs a day, right? Yeah, yeah. It, that, that's about a lo- as low as it got in one of these examples, like two fifty. But now, uh, from February sixth to March tenth, uh, I, I got a count of an average of almost two thousand subscribers added per day. And you know, to- and uh, and when when I tweeted this, I. Garrett responded saying that they're they're adding almost three thousand per day. And and you know obviously question number one is always going to be where are these subscribers coming from? Is this domestic audiences or international audiences? Because again, if Impact is getting so much money from India, is have they had seen a similar uptick um, of international uh, demand on them? Uh, number two, uh, is it real? You know. I, you always got to ask that question when it comes to YouTube numbers, especially when you look at WWE's YouTube numbers and you see, you know, these random matches that have 10 million views and have are well outside the calculation of, you know, the natural curves that you expect to see on these kind of videos. 
it, it makes you scratch your head and say, is there some juicing going on here? Not, not so. I don't think this looks like juicing to me. I mean, if you went up to 10,000 people a day and you're at a hundred the week before, that's suspicious. I think when you're naturally going from 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000, that makes sense, especially if TV ratings are following in, in step. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, obviously, they also have their Twitch channel, and that would be the other thing you could look at over time, a uh, number of subs on there, just to see if we've seen any impact or change there. And then oh, – Impact. Go on. <laughs> she screamed out impact. Uh, oh, did I call it TNA? No, you called it impact. Oh, okay. You you said impact. It, it's a pun. It's fine. Go on. Gotcha. Oh, I see what happened there. Yes, and the the last piece being uh, just understanding what the the ownership dynamic is going to be with their parent company. You know, hearing that iHeartRadio is in such financial uh, ruin right now, it makes you wonder about other big media companies like the one that that funds Impact and whether or not they're going to find themselves in a bad place in the next few years here or in the the recent time, and whether Impact will ever be something that just you know it, it's not worth keeping because it's too much too much of a burden for the company, regardless of what the the ratings are, because even when the ratings go up like this, it doesn't necessarily mean a lot more dollars in the pocket. Yeah, I, th- I think an under an underrated thing in wrestling and in wrestling business that we don't talk about enough because it's not really easily quantifiable is, is goodwill. And any impacts starting to repair its goodwill. So that's a that's a good thing. It's a good thing to see. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean just looking at, you know, who who do they have on their shows and you know, yeah, especially when you consider like all the, all the talent, all the stars that they've lost. They lost EC3, they lost Bobby Lashley. You know, yeah, and just kind of questions about have you rebuild with uh, LAX and and uh, Eddie Edwards and Matt Seidel and and um, uh, Alberto El Patron seems to be working with them, uh, and will he stay? <laughs> you know, uh, Trevor Lee being in in there and other people. So they they. As always, you know, there's talent that's out there, and it's just a question of um, WWE can only suck up so many people in their giant performance vacuum. So I, I think there's an opportunity here, and like like people have said, just think about the world we have for how much indie talent is out there that at one time was not being sucked up by WWE at all, and the missed opportunity of what the world could have been had they just gone in that direction. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think that the story of TNA is. They tried to be a mainstream product when they should have been a hardcore wrestling fan product. I don't mean violent hardcore. I mean like an ardent wrestling fan product. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And our last subject for this show here uh, is – I'm just scrolling all the way up. Oh, Michelle Wilson had an interesting profile on Forbes. Did you read the article? I did. And it was I not did, it was, did my homework. It was not written by um, – it was not the Forbes. You know, it wasn't Alfred's. Um, this is the real Forbes? Uh, I I mean, I mean the, uh, the the magazine. It is a ma- she. She is on the Ford staff. She is a staff person, and she does write on the business of sports. Um, and so you're talking about the writer, yeah. I, of this article, okay. yeah. So there's a very good chance that she is a, at least a staff writer for Forbes, unlike a you know the paid contributor type. Um, so I I would believe uh, that she probably uh, is a a writer there. Um, it's funny. She says she actually was on the uh, the the spelling bee one time on uh, ESPN. Oh wow! Yeah. Anyways, uh, so is that still on the spelling bee? Yes, yes. So uh, Christina Settimi is is the author's name, and uh, she wrote a profile of Michelle Wilson, and uh, it's a good thing to read because I think a lot of people don't realize where Michelle came from and kind of her background in the company. And like I, I point out to a lot of people, she is a co-president. 
she, you know, you have Vince, you have George, and you have Michelle. And technically, Michelle outranks Stephanie. You know, she is a very important person. Now, I'm sure when you're talking actual social clout, yes, Stephanie and Triple H are very, very powerful. But Michelle is a very important person in the WWE hierarchy. And her, in some ways, resilience to come through what she's come through and be part of the company means a lot. Because as they point out here, she was really big on the U.S. Tennis Association for many years. Um, before that, she actually worked for the XFL, which a lot of people don't realize. That was kind of her first run with them. And that she was really interested in um, uh, being a really powerful woman in sports, maybe being a commissioner. And uh, she just talks a lot about, you know, basically she was lured to come back to WWE with the idea being they wanted her to supposedly launch a WWE network. Um, Again, this is always going to be revisionist history where we're going to talk it through and kind of say, hey, this is what happened. So, of course, it was great versus here's what we were actually trying to do. And then here's what we did. And then here's where we fumbled for a while. And then here's where we changed the narrative. So so what year did she join WWE? 2009. Yes. But they were working. So they were already planning on doing a network in 2009. Yeah, you start you start seeing um, examples okay. of references to it as early as 20, 2011 for sure. Um, I wrote a piece on my blog. This would be like the uh, it's going to be a, an actual TV channel. Yeah, yeah. You don't really see much talking about it being an internet streaming service really until very close to the days, if not ever. Um, mm-hmm. But I did an article once where I went back. Um, I call it an article. It's just a blog post, but it was a very good blog post. Um, and it was kind of the history of the WWE Network as far back as I could find it leading up to the the announcement where I just went back through – try to find his, the earliest references to what it was and um, – Like the, the, the conception of it. Yeah. And I'm trying to see if I can find that same article. Um, but in terms of when the first references were. But yeah, I, I think I, I started seeing – see here. Can the WWE Network succeed maybe? Uh, 2011 for sure. In the earnings call in February of 2010, Vince specifically noted that they're doing a great deal deal of due diligence on a standalone WWE cable system. Uh, he gave an interview in July of 2012 in multi-channel news in an article called The Ringmaster. Uh, we said, I don't want to commit to a time because, you know, it's probably not a good deal for us to do that. I'd rather not say. But uh, what was important about that was that was the uh, – article where there's the giant um dinosaur head in the back behind vince which is like oh yeah which like i i tweeted out a picture of it one time and then people went nuts being like oh my god look at this picture um did you know the story behind that yes it's from i finally found out it's from the triple h film what breaking the rules bending the rules is that where it's from it's it's a gift though from paul but it's a fake dinosaur thing that's what a lot of people don't realize it's not a real dinosaur it's not a it's real not a real skull. skull it was a, a hmm. they used it in the movie and vince and triple h loved it so much that he ordered a replica of it and gave it to vince it's, it's like a tyrannosaurus rex mm-hmm. too and and like I th- it's the most vincean thing h, ever yeah triple h gave it to vince and said it's it's because he has a ferocious appetite for life or something and i've always thought thought of it as like and that that's in his office right it's hanging on the wall i always thought of it as like an inside joke or an inside rib on vince where uh because have you ever heard the stories of like Shawn michaels and bret hart would call the old people like hogan they would call them dinosaurs when they were still hanging around the wf and Shawn michaels and bret hart were trying to be big stars and these dinosaurs are hanging around here and they were gonna overcome these dinosaurs 
And I almost wonder, like, you look at those pictures of, like, Triple H looking at the uh, all these monitors while Vince McMahon does the XFL announcement. And it almost, it's obviously a still picture, but I imagine him just nodding his head, you know. And it, it, it points to this. I don't think that, um, I don't think that, you know, Triple H uh, sits in a dark room and thinks about how he's going to take over Vince McMahon's business. But it's it, it just raises a lot of questions to me. Like, I don't know, look at this. He's giving him a dinosaur head. I will, I will and, uh, take a dinosaur head any he's, day. Uh, he's uh, standing in the way of wrestling progress is, is the narrative that I lay over it in my mind. But anyway. So Michelle here, it, it talks a lot about just, you know, she's a Harvard MBA and all that. And so she's got a very good um, pedigree. And, and look, it's not that working in scripted professional wrestling was specifically on her mind. OK, let's just get that out of the yes, way. Yes, they have to bury scripted they, pro wrestling. Yeah, you, you have to bury wrestling in order to write about it, because otherwise you'll sound like you're actually putting it over as a legitimate way that, that someone can make a life. Um, you got to know it's scripted. I mean, come yeah. on. And, and same thing. You got to use a picture from 2009. Of of Michelle and Linda McMahon uh, and Stephanie and a very sad looking man who I guess is uh, let's see here Lawrence Leibowitz, um, yes. which do we know who who he is Lawrence Leibowitz NYSE I bet you he's like New York stock uh, no he just appears to be some other guy maybe he was the uh, he was a he was the COO at a New York stock thing at one point. Um, holy cow. Is that true? He, uh, <laughs> you know who he is? He's the, he is the, he is the brother of a, of a big WWE fan. He's John Stewart's brother. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that a weird little, uh, that's a very weird. Are you, are you talking about future W Hall of Famer, John Stewart? Yes. He literally, he is the New York Stock Exchange Euro Nexus chief officer. Operating officer Lawrence Leibowitz and his brothers John Stewart, but they have different last names. Yeah, you know showbiz. Is, is Stewart like a, a showbiz yes. name? Yes, his real name is. Mm. Oh, yes. wow. and but it's funny. But so he's in the picture with them. But anyways, the point they're using a, almost a ten-year-old picture, and I always just go back to like, would if you posted a picture about the NBA, would you use a picture from ten years ago? In your story, I mean, well, you know how things are in like writing media articles. Maybe they only have access to a certain set of stuff. I don't know if you're doing a bio of Michelle Wilson that you clearly are sitting and interviewing her. You can ask them for a thousand pictures. Oh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and so, anyway, so they they wrote this piece, and then she basically her narrative is this: Vince was looking for someone to help repos- reposition the WWE as family entertainment, and he had the magic words he wanted to create and build. He tasked her with launching a network, something that she had zero experience doing, and that would involve disrupting the company's traditional pay-per-view model, i.e. its revenue. I didn't know it would be successful, but fear is a motivator. It made me work harder, Wilson said about how she handled the unknown in the situation. There were public detractors, but McMahon was – She's referring to you. But McMahon was unwavering about moving forward with it. He said, Michelle, success is the best revenge. That's a great line. It, it, that's what I love. This is there. There are times that you read one of these profiles and you're like, I totally believe that that is something that Vince McMahon says. Like sometimes oh, when yeah. he's like, I want social media as a land grab. You're like, mm, I don't know about that. But when when you hear Vince say, Michelle, success is the best revenge. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a Vince line for sure. Yeah, it's a McMahonism. And again, all the articles, including WWE's own filings for years and years and years, was about how none of the TV stations wanted to take them up on the deal, how they couldn't get good enough money for a, a standalone 
cable channel, how they, if you remember, they announced the WWE network one year saying it was going to premiere the next year. And then they did just kind of quietly walked away from that. Yes. One year at WrestleMania, they basically showed a promo that said coming next year. And then they just kind of walked away from ever doing that. They weren't able to actually uh, deliver that. And that was one of the years that they got a uh, bad bonus for all the exec. See, you have to remember, like, when it comes to the subby business stuff, I was basically born with the launch of the network. I don't know any- about anything before that. Yes, but – I mean, W business. But that's why I bring this stuff up is because it's easy to reposition the history to make it sound like, yeah, this is always what we wanted to do. And yeah. it was probably the right thing to do was get into the OTT space and to move a ton of their content to the OTT space. It was just always a question about whether, A, you had to cannibalize the business that you had immediately. B, you had to piss off all your partners in the middle of a television negotiation. And C, whether you had to basically tie yourself down in the way that you were bundling everything and pricing everything, um, especially when you looked at what was realistic for what was going to happen with this versus some kind of crazy affinity study that you came up with where you thought you were going to explode it with 20 million people. So, so I, I just go back to that where it's easy. I think she has been a very effective member of the WWE executive team and that she has, in fact, gotten them very far. I think it's just you're whitewashing a lot of the stuff about why did you used to have a head of the network? What was his job? Why did you have to have six of them? You know, what what was happening with your TV deals? What is happening with all these other things? Because she was very much positioned so that if the TV deal in 2014 had gone really sour, she would she and George would have been kicked out of the company. It was very much positioned as like it was theirs to own and theirs to fail or theirs to be successful on. Uh, and what I always heard at the time was that Triple H and, and, and Stephanie were trying to basically insulate themselves from the TV deal so that if it didn't go well, then they couldn't be blamed for it. And ultimately, it didn't go great, but it didn't go terrible. You know, getting one and a half times more money is a good deal for them. It just wasn't a great deal the way that they had promised everyone it would be. And then they learned what, what happens when you use pro wrestling exaggeration in a financial marketplace. You get sued. Right. You, you get put in a hammerlock. No, you get sued by a whole bunch of investors, <laughs> and and you never you never deliver on your hammerlock promises. Okay, fine. All right, so this has been uh, WrestleNomics Radio. I am on Twitter at Mukigana. Like I said, I'm going to be at WrestleMania this weekend, and so I do hope that uh, if you are also at WrestleMania this coming weekend that you will hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you're doing. Send us awesome uh, uh, GIFs and GIFs and whatever you want to call them uh, of, of the cool stuff that you're doing, and uh, maybe we can even meet up. We will be having a subscriber super serve WrestleNomics Radio patron. It's bonus edition a awesome extra audio that we're probably going to record uh, to you. It's going to feel like it just happened, but it will probably be tomorrow. We're going to do it. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of cool stuff on that show, uh, including the uh, CT lawsuit in depth. We're going to talk about WWE network numbers since we're going to get an update after WrestleMania. Talk a little bit about UFC fight pass and what the UFC new uh, video acquisition was PWG moving Andre, the giant documentary, new Japan, strong style evolved. Any of that that I've watched or you've watched uh, WrestleMania three attendance, a great article, by Bix and then of course this week in Aero Lucha uh, uh, the SS tattoo is just two letters SS what else could it be yeah it's not that big a deal says Aero Lucha um, and, and we're not we're not a MMA podcast but we we have some insight into what uh, UFC Fight Pass subscribers are or may have been at one point yeah right? and I think it's also interesting because we're going to talk about the comparison between what WWE has done UFC has done and then also what the ratio is kind of between those two services over time uh, and of course $5 a month all it costs you go to 
p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash russellnomics. You subscribe $5 a month. You're able to get access to the notes of the show, the audio of the show, the archives of the show. And you drive us closer and closer to those big goals that we have, including monthly um, movies, reviews, and other fun stuff that we're doing with Russell Monix Radio. And uh, this week, we're going to get the very first picture of Brandon and I in the same room being aware that we're in the same room. We probably were in the same room one other time, but I don't think we were aware of each other at the time. We, we might have shook hands because you shake everybody's hand, but we didn't know each other at the time. That is true. But but we did. You were you were just you were just some guy that that came in the room and, and then I remember Colin yelling, Mookie, because he was really excited to see you. That sounds about right. And did I probably gave everybody a nice limp handed uh, uh, handshake to to show that yeah. I, I'm I'm working. I know I know what I'm doing here. That's right. That's right. You're safe. Yeah, I'm safe. You're, you're not going to get shut down by Louisiana's the athletic <laughs> Maybe that's what they'll do to figure out who's who's qualified. So yeah. he'll just go around shaking hands and then be like, this guy's not ready. If, this kid. if you know to give the light handshake, you're good to go. Don't, but if you give a good firm handshake, you're off the show. Did, I, I asked a guy in the WWE one time, but like, do you give normal handshakes or, or worked handshakes? And he's like, I give normal handshakes because no, every, everyone gives a normal handshake. Do, actually, but now, like in in the locker rooms, do they still give the fake handshake? No. When when I was like around. In the early 2000s, there was some of that? Yeah, there was a ton of that when I was around. So I'm surprised to hear it's all dead now. Yeah, that's, that's gone now. It's like a, it's, it's taboo. It's like he gave the light I'm glad, handshake. I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> Do not give the light handshake. Okay, see, I would have given the light handshake because I, I, I was so used to doing that. For, I still call everyone brother. Did I ever tell you that? If, and no, like, if, I, I like if someone gives me a, like if I'm at a, a, a lunch table or something and, and, you know, I order something and, and they give it to me, I'll say, thank you, brother. Cool, brother. Cool. You know, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, a forced habit for me, but I'm, I'm trying to break myself of it. There's something I was going to say about the handshake. I forget though. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard that like people will, um, if you're somebody who's like, knows what they're doing in wrestling, but then you come across somebody who doesn't know what they're doing in wrestling. They don't really belong in wrestling or something. And you want to like mess them up. You, you, you teach them that. Oh yeah. It's the light handshake. And so it's like the saying is like, you teach the light handshake to marks. So then that, that outs them as marks when they walk in a room or something. Oh my goodness. Jeez. You're a trainer. You should be able to know these things. So you, you're going to have to give on the Patreon show the, the, uh, the secret advice of the, the total hand, hand slap, the hand drive, that you guys now do no no there is no such thing you just heard the, the extent of my knowledge on handshakes i got one last story for you i because i'm probably going to forget okay. it but before tomorrow um okay i was contacted by someone uh uh someone who who i have not ever spoke about on this show so this is so that you can you can play the wild uh speculation game of who this was but it was not someone that I've ever like talked about knowing before. So I did not have a personal relationship with this person. Um, but they work for a major wrestling company in the world. Uh, and so they sent me a, uh, a note on Twitter. And I, I keep my DMs open uh, like we all do. And uh, he, he – I'll, I'll reveal as a man. Uh, he said to me, I came across this. And he, he showed me a picture from Instagram. And it was someone on Instagram who had taken my Twitter avatar and was using it as an own account on Instagram. But it was not me. Really? <laughs> yeah. You, ha- you have a – there's a Mookie impersonator on Instagram? It was a guy that posted a whole bunch of wrestling pics. Uh, but, like, they weren't, like, real pics. They were, like, like 
like like images like like you'd see from like WWE.com, but then like all, they're all blue or something. So it was like like with the skin over them. And so it was like wrestling artwork, but it really wasn't artwork. It was just kind of like if you just manipulated the color settings of a picture. Okay. Like a filter. It was kind of like putting filters yeah. on, on pictures. And then they posted a whole bunch of those. And one of them was of one of these wrestlers. And so I don't know if he got tagged in it or what. And so the guy then just yeah. – and we're not even – he's so you can't even go to my Twitter and like look up who's following me. It's not even someone who follows me. So – that that's the level of absurdity of absurdity of this is that this wrestler saw this on Instagram and recognized it was me and sent me a note on Twitter to be like this came across. Well, you're, you're somebody in wrestling media. Yes, so so every time someone says, "Are you a journalist?" I have to say, "I think I am," because uh, people impersonate me on Instagram. Well, here's the thing: you can get verified on Twitter, right? But maybe no. you can get verified on Instagram. I guess so, but I have like ten followers on Instagram, so. But you have impersonators. I do have impersonators. So, uh, yeah, that was that was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. So off air, I will tell you who it is. And, uh, you know, secret information here, man. Secret information. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the end. Okay. That's the end. <laughs> Bye. See you at WrestleMania. See ya. Point to the sign. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.